following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Chanteau, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Outside Blitz. I'm your host, the fan. Fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, uh, the wonderful, the just the third week fill-in, man, the, the Cannonball Alex Steele joining me a, once again, third week. Uh, Tyler is out on hiatus right now. Um, I, I hope Tyler is doing well. I hope wish him all the best. Hopefully he'll be coming back into the fold here soon. But in the meantime, I got the Cannonball joining me over here, which is a pleasure and uh, super stoked to have you on the show once again. Thank you uh, again for joining me and being a part of it. Uh, we love having you on this show. So yeah, uh, it's an honor and it's a privilege, you know, uh, to, to get that hot tag in once again. You know, I always have fun doing these shows. Um, I floated this idea with you offline. I'll share it with the crowd here. Uh, you know, if we can get if we can get everything, uh, if the stars can align, perhaps this could turn into a three man show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you have been a a consistent. Uh, a consistent fixture on this show for for a while now we've we've been you've been filling in which has been great i know there's been uh, uh busy lives <laughs> you know, as it pertains oh, to oh yeah I, you know tyler's on vacations he's got the babies i had the twins i mean there were there was a lot going on you have been a fixture on the show i appreciate you filling in and uh yeah we we are going to be uh, talking about that and getting you on the show as a permanent fixture here. I, I am sure of that. If we can make this a three-man show, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, but I'm wondering uh, what the viewers will think about it. Um, I'm curious to find that out, but um, it'd be, I think it'd be fun to try out. You know, and the old, the old saying goes, don't knock it till you try it. Well, and we've we've done the three man shows in the past, and they've always been a lot of fun. We've had you, uh, we really, we've done as as large as a four man show with with Ray Collins and you and myself in studio, Tyler on Skype or uh, Tyler in studio. We've had all four of us in studio in the past. Yeah, I remember the first three man show we ever did was right after uh, that stuff with Robert Kraft came out. Oh, <laughs> that's how I remember. <laughs> oh, it was bad. There were there were so many jokes that day about about ha- happy endings and whatnot. I mean, it just uh, a wild experience. But Alex, we've got um, we got all kinds of stuff going on. We got business to take care of. Not a ton of news around the league outside of some injury issues. We have we have uh, seen some injuries, some some guys going out for the year, and so on and so forth. But the first thing we've got to do is we got to hop into our week two scores, our recap. Alex, are you ready to jump into these scores? Let's do it, man. All right. Uh, starting out with the Chargers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs squeak one out 27-24 over the Chargers. A little bit of a surprise for me. You know, and, and in this game, Justin Herbert gets uh, hits, gets hit, takes a rib injury. I How much do you think that that affected him and actually being able to put this one away? Because really... The Chargers were in control of this game for a majority of it, and the Chiefs came out in the fourth quarter with a 13-point third quarter, or fourth quarter, rather, to come back and, and win this football game. What do you make of that? I think uh, the rib injury uh, certainly played some part in it, uh, even though Justin was still out there playing as best he could. But I also have to give credit to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, he's this he's the modern-day GOAT for a reason. 
you yeah. know, the best in the NFL right now. Uh, if any if any player is going to have that kind of a deficit and come back from it, it's Patty Mahomes. Oh, for sure. He had a very um, modest stat line in this game, but, uh, you know, he still winds up 235, two touchdowns, and, you know, a, a kind of a weird um, anomaly here. And I'm calling it an anomaly because, you know, it, we saw it last season out of Clyde Edwards Hellaire where he got hot real early, and then throughout the season he kind of just tapered off and didn't perform as, as at the same level that we saw last time. Um, Clyde winds up, you know, he only has eight carries on the day, but he pounds out 74 yards, 9.2 average. I mean, just has a monster day. You know, and I, I keep talking about how I don't think this guy's an every down back, and I still don't to an extent, but we've seen this before. Is this fool's gold, or did Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just find his footing? Well, um, I'm thinking that I don't believe this is fool's gold here. Uh, it's, it, obviously, you have to see week to week, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Clyde Edward, Edwards-Hilaire putting up those stats uh, against a good team like the Los Angeles Chargers, I think he woke up, and uh, I, I expect to see more out of him as the weeks go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think right now he might be making me look like a dummy because I, you know, I, I thought last year, and I, I talked before the season how you know the, my analogy was square peg round hole. They're trying to to stuff him into a, a position that he's not prepared for as a um, an every down back. And now suddenly he's looking like an every down back. So I want to see, We like I said, we saw it last year where he started out hot and tapered off. I want to see if he's going to start out hot and remain hot or if he's going to taper off or, or you know, what. But we're going to find out well, when it comes to the Chiefs. Uh, next up, we got the Patriots and the Steelers. The Patriots beat the Steelers 17-14. to They squeak one out as well. Um, kind of a weird game. Mac Jones uh, dealing with an illness here. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, you know, I, I'm still not sold on the Mitch Trubisky wagon in, in Pittsburgh. He didn't really have himself a wonderful game. He was 21 for 33, 168, a touchdown and a pick. I, I'm not as sold on Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I'm with you there. I see you kind of going, eh. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think Mitch Trubisky, I'm waiting for Kenny Pickett. I'm so rooting for Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett will be the better quarterback. I think he's going to be, uh, and really he showed in preseason how accurate he can be. And I really do think it'll be good for the receivers. Uh, Deontay Johnson has not been as involved. Like he's getting the catches and the targets, like he's getting that volume, but he's not getting um, the, the touchdowns. He's not getting the deep passes. I don't think Trubisky's as accurate as Kenny Pickett on every level of this game. Uh, I don't think Trubisky's the right quarterback for this job. That said, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still sort of being competitive, and we'll talk about their Thursday game shortly. But mm -hmm. at what point do you start going, mm, maybe it's Kenny Pickett time? Well, um, I think, uh, well, we'll go ahead and just uh, give a quick spoiler here, only because it helps to drive my point. Uh, the, the Cleveland Browns did end up defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, at home in Cleveland, uh, and I think uh, you might want to start pressing the button now to swap out Kenny Pickett. Uh, have him start next week. Um, you know, uh, after after this current week of games is over, you know, have him start next Sunday. Uh, you know, I do agree that it, it seems to me that he would be the better quarterback. I do kind of compare it to the uh, shape, not the shape, Patterson. Uh, Although <laughs> I would like to, I would like to compare uh, 
uh, Mitch Trubisky to Shea Patterson. But, uh, I think it's I think it's a different scenario. Uh, it's 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 similar to the JJ McCarthy and um, I can't think of the other Kate guys. Mac- yeah, Cade McNamara situation. Mitch Trubisky is Cade McNamara, and and Kenny Pickett is JJ McCarthy. Put him on the field and let's put his money where his mouth is. My big thing is we, we see Mike Tomlin. He seems to kind of like believe that, and and I. Tyler and myself and you, we've all been kind of in the same boat where we talk about, you know, how it, it's always better to see a quarterback that winds up sitting on the bench for a year. We saw it with Patrick Mahomes. We just got done talking about him and he sat on the bench for a year and then he came out strong later on. Um, and, and you know, sometimes those quarterbacks that wind up sitting on the bench take that time to develop and they develop into one of the better quarterbacks in the league. We've seen that before. Um, I'm almost waiting for a Mitchell Trubisky injury, and I hate to be that kind of dick, but you know I'm almost waiting for it because that might be the only reason that Kenny Pickett sees the field this year. And I believe firmly, and and I don't know why I feel this way, but I believe that if Kenny Pickett winds up coming onto the field, he's not giving back that starting job. Right, and you know uh, it, this is his second year in the league, is it not? No, no, Kenny Pickett's first. It's his first. Oh, year. Okay, so is. His is rookie season. Okay, given given that caveat, I do agree. Just have him sit on out for a year, but at the same time, mm, give him a shot. Yeah, you know, who knows? Yeah, I don't. I don't know that the Steelers are going to wind up being competitive with Mitchell Trubisky moving forward. I think they're oh. they're going to be continuing to have this hard time that they're having, and that defense can only do so much. I mean, granted, right here, I mean, they just held the Patriots to 17 points in this week two game, but the offense only puts up 14 points. You know, so we got questions here, and and you got at a certain point, complimentary football has to take place. So that's that's a thing. Um, Over on the New England side, though, I mean, Mac Jones dealing with an illness, he comes out in in a back injury, he comes out 21 for 35, 252 and a touchdown. Uh, the, The name of this game to me, though, was Nelson Aguilar out of nowhere. Six receptions, 110 yards and a touchdown. He had himself a hell of a game. And Jacoby Myers, again, you know, like he Jacoby Myers has has like quietly been a very good receiver for them. He's technically their number one. He had nine receptions for 95 yards in this game. So, I mean, the the Patriots are are looking strong as far as like, you know, they're one and one right now. I think. Some people are giving uh, Mac Jones kind of a bad rap. Uh, I think Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I still think he's a good quarterback. I think he lacks a little arm strength. He's he needs to. I think he was thrust into the spotlight a little quickly. Over time, Mac Jones could develop. Yeah. I want to see if he could develop. We were definitely wrong to call him a bust when he first got drafted. We'll, we'll we all kind of ate some crow on that. And it's and he, he had the better stat line this week. Oh, so, yeah. So, without question. So, maybe he gets this back injury taken out. Maybe he gets over this illness. And then later on down the season, you know, when it starts to get crunch time, when it's playoff time, then we'll probably see him open up a little bit. Yeah, I want to see if Mac Jones can can really hit that deep ball. Um, he, he did hit that one deep ball, too, Nelson Aguilar. So, I want to see if he gets it done. But uh, Patriots do beat the Steelers 17-14. A lot of close games this week, by the way. Uh, next up, Panthers and the Giants. The Giants beat the Panthers 19-16. to The Giants are 2-0 and under Brian DeBall. Um, yeah, you called it. 
Yep. Very interesting situation. And uh, a guy that, that we thought was going to be a lot better than he was, Baker Mayfield, 14 for 29, 145. He had a touchdown. He did play mistake-free football, though. He didn't throw an interception. But, man, tough mm-hmm. day at the office for him. Uh, the Giants, I mean, Daniel Jones didn't look much better. 22 for 34, 176 in the TD. Um, but, you know, again, we, we've talked about it last week. We'll talk about it again. Saquon Barkley looking like Saquon Barkley again. Uh, it's interesting to see him get going. Obviously, the stat line wasn't as gaudy as last week's, but still he got going. And then Christian McCaffrey uh, quietly having himself a decent year. He had 15 carries for 102 yards as well. So, I mean, the the Giants right now, I, I think this is kind of fool's gold. Um, they went out and beat a Titans team that has not looked very good. And then they went out and they beat the Panthers. And I think a lot of people are getting excited about the Giants because they went out and beat the Titans in week one um, by that one point margin. I'm waiting for the Giants to take on like a real team. You know, I'm, I'm waiting in the, the big problem for them right now is in their division. It's not a strong division outside of the Eagles, no. right? Outside of the Eagles and arguably the Cowboys on defense. Yeah, on defense. And actually, and actually, you know, Washington on offense has been looking pretty good with that those three wide receiver sets. But I, I don't, I just don't think that the division itself as a whole is strong. I think Washington's defense has been a little suspect. I think the Cowboys' offense has been pretty suspect. Oh yeah. Um, spite of the fact that spoiler alert, they did win. Um, you know, I, I just there's there's questions there. I, I really do believe that with, if the Giants run into say the Bucks or if they run into even the Niners. Um, you know, they run into the Lions, you know, that, that, that's going to be a, a tough go. You know, they run into a, a, even the Vikings, they, they run into a team that knows what the hell they're doing. You know, the Giants could find themselves in a different situation. Um, I think the Daniel Jones experiment, however, can, can safely be said to be over. I, I, I don't, I don't think that experiment is, well, is working. Um, the, the experiment failed the minute that they uh, they drafted him. We just looked at that and like, oh my god, what are you guys thinking? Yeah. And you know the fact that he you know ran unopposed towards the end zone and slipped and fell. I mean that was a low moment for everybody. Uh, but yeah, I bo- I do believe that, uh, uh, that Daniel Jones needs to be shown the door. Yeah, the, the Daniel Jones experiment is is over and done with. I I you know and even. My, my thing is, if you can't do well in the Brian DeBall system after Josh Allen just lit the world on fire under that system, then, uh, you know, I have questions about your ability to survive in the NFL, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, next up, we got the Jets and the Browns. The mo- Probably the most exciting game of the week outside of the Dolphins-Ravens. The Jets and Browns, they have this last-minute comeback for the Jets. The Jets win 31-30. to and the coming out party of the day was Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State rookie, having himself a day, man. He had himself just a wonderful day. Uh, goes out, eight receptions, 102 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Uh, you know, when when we started talking about the New York Jets and, and their draft and stuff like that, every draft pundit out there was almost ignoring Garrett Wilson because they had Elijah Moore on the field. And they were talking so much about Brees Hall. I got to tell you, Brees Hall has been a non-factor in this game and in, up to this point. Uh, and, and Garrett Wilson is starting to become the story of this team. I predicted Garrett Wilson to be one of the best, if not the best receiver out of that draft. 
mm-hmm. and I believe the Jets have a superstar in Garrett Wilson right now, don't you? As much as I hate to admit it as a Michigan fan, you are absolutely right. You know, uh, that kid, you know, uh, they, they've got Sauce, they've got Wilson. You know, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, well, the New York football Jets are 2-0. and Again, I, I believe, is, is that correct? 1-1. One 1-1. One. One one. Okay, yeah, the, I guess Baltimore must have beat them in week one. Yep. Oh, uh, well, it, so they're not perfect right now, but I'll tell you what, they still are looking a lot better than, than we gave them credit for. So I'm actually, you know, I'm just sitting here going, well, Cincinnati's got them next week, this this Sunday. And I'm sitting here going, um, well, do you really think that T. Higgins is going to light the world on fire? But uh, but these, so these Jets are definitely not uh, a team to be trifled with, especially not Garrett Wilson. If yeah. these last two games are to be an indication. Yep. And Joe Flacco started this game, you know, and they, they're saying Zach Wilson is on pace to return. I don't know if I'm the Jets that I'm even looking at Zach Wilson coming back into the football game the way Joe Flacco's playing. 26 for 44, 307. He had four touchdowns on the day. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure what they're going to do is they're going to put Zach, they're going to, you know, put Zach Wilson back in. I really believe that this New York Jets team, especially on the offensive side of the football, finally has a nucleus they can work around. If they go out and draft the QB of the future for this team, the Jets could get really dangerous really fast. Oh, yeah. um, you know, especially if they wind up with a C.J. Stroud, I think Stroud would be a great fit for the New York Jets, and and uh, that's that's just an interesting thing there. I, I just think that's exciting for them. Over on the Brown side, though, a guy who's quietly been the number two rusher in the entire NFL, he's having himself a, a hell of a year. Nick Chubb had three touchdowns in this game, uh, 87 yards. He's averaging 5.1 in the game. Um, he is the second best rusher in the entire NFL right now. So I, people not talking about him enough. I know he kind of sort of had a down year last year. It was kind of an interesting thing. But, man, Nick Chubb firing it up right now. I'm pretty excited for him. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, definitely uh, the leading rusher on that Browns team. Uh, definitely leading the pack there. I mean, uh, Kareem Hunt, you know, is his counterpart. You know, but obviously, you know, and for good reason. I mean, Chubb, I think it was like, he bench pressed like 600 pounds or squatted yeah. 600 pounds. So I'm like, and that's and that's a running back, and he looks nothing like these big defensive tackles or these big offensive linemen. No, he's a little guy benching 600 pounds. And you saw how he was able to just drag people along, you know, and just have a bunch of people just push him forward to get those extra four or five yards. You know, definitely uh, look look to see more from uh, Nick Chubb. Yep. So uh, the the Browns drop a heartbreaker to the Jets, and we'll we'll be ju- talking a little bit more about the Browns a little bit later on when we go through our predictions. Um, next up, we got the, the one of the surprises of the week. The Jags go out and smoke the Colts. They beat them 24 to goose egg, 24 donut against the uh, the Colts here. The Jags get the W. You know, first of all, I'll start on the Jags side because Trevor Lawrence had himself a hell of a game. 25 for 30. He was 235. He had two touchdowns on the day. James Robinson, I don't care what anybody says. James Robinson should be the feature back on this team. 23 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown. I know the average wasn't really all there. But here's my thing about James Robinson. James Robinson is the type of running back that keeps teams honest. That's what he is. I believe that anywhere that James Robinson goes, he's going to wind up being a star in this league. Um, 
If the Jags don't retain him and they decide to go the direction of Travis Etienne, good for them. But I think they're losing a key piece in James Robinson. I think he is the better runner, and I do believe that he should be on uh, any roster as a starter. The fact that, that he was wasted last year under Urban Meyer is a travesty. Um, he, he was just so damn good. And this that's coming off of a year in 29, or, uh, 2020, rather, where he had himself a an outstanding rushing season. So I, I really believe in James Robinson. And the other story about the Jags here, we shit all over Christian Kirk. And Christian Kirk is currently, as it stands, living up to every bit of his contract that we hated so much on this show and that we laughed at. We are eating all kinds of shit burgers on that one because, oh my God, Christian Kirk, man, goes out, 20, or I'm sorry, he has uh, six receptions for 78 yards, two touchdowns this past week. And then he goes out the week before, if I'm not mistaken, and has himself a good game the week before against the Commanders. I mean, Christian Kirk, six receptions, 117 yards. He is really uh, uh, living up to that deal that everybody, including all of us on this show, Tyler, you, myself, everybody, laughed at. When that signing took place, and we thought it was the worst signing of the year, currently, it's not looking that way, is it? No. Nope. Uh, given those stats that you just whipped off, you know, it's it's easy to see that uh, he's definitely uh, getting his money. The Jags are definitely getting their money's worth. You know, and if Trevor Lawrence starts to turn it up a little bit, if they put James Robinson on the field, uh, we could see uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars make a serious run at the playoffs. Uh, very surprising that the Colts, you know, did not score a single point. Uh, you know, not to, not to knock uh, James Taylor, uh, uh, is it no Jonathan Taylor, but because he had a decent running game as well. He had he had a decent running uh, uh, performance this day as well. Just couldn't finish it off. So yeah. Jonathan and, Taylor, like the Colts are uh, like, like a mid-tier team. So what's to say that uh, Jacksonville couldn't hang with like? Uh, a can't well Kansas City might blow them out of the water, but let's who's to say they can't handle a team like the Los Angeles Chargers or the Den or uh, even the the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I think they're they're right up right now. Jaguars have been playing some good ball the last two weeks. I think they're they are likely able to hang with say you know the uh, I don't know about the Chargers, but the the Raiders for sure. And and really look, here's my thing about the Colts. Um, First of all, Matt Ryan, I, I'm starting to think that Matt Ryan is very much cooked at this point. Um, he had himself a, a horrible game, uh, and, and a lot of it stems from the fact that uh, uh, Michael Pittman was not on the field. You know, excuse me one second. I feel like I got to sneeze. <laughs> Woo! There we go. But I, I, Michael Pittman was not on the field in this game, and uh, that was a... a uh, quite the situation for Matt Ryan. He went 16 for 30, 195, three interceptions in this game. I mean, it was bad. It was just a bad game. They were playing from behind all day long. Matt Ryan's throwing the ball all over the place. They, they're they coming off the, the heartbreaker tie that they had, you know, the week before. They they got rid of their kicker, um, and which I think was just silly. You, you got rid of a, a great kicker in Rodrigo Blankenship, and a lot of Colts fans are standing by it, and all... He's not that good. No, no, no. Rodrigo Blankenship is coming off of a really good year last year. We talked about this last week on the show. I don't understand why one game 
means that you need to cut your kicker. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, the, in, if, if teams were smart, they would be learning from the Minnesota Vikings cutting Daniel Carlson after missing a game winner against the Packers. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. But right. I would probably it, argue that if it was like a playoff game, an AFC championship, NFC championship, or a Super Bowl, maybe. But one game during the regular season, especially in the in the beginning, no, no, you gotta you gotta have a little bit of patience uh, before you make a decision like that. Right. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but the the Colts right now are not looking like the Colts team we expected them to look like. I expected them to take this division. Right now they're o one and one. So I mean we're we're hoping that this Colts team can turn it around. But right now it's looking like Frank Reich is about to lose his job. And it's looking like uh, Matt Ryan is cooked, and it looks like they made a horrible decision in moving on from Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz over with Washington has been playing his heart out. Um, next up, speaking of playing your heart out, this was an exciting game. Uh, points for days. The Miami Dolphins beat the Baltimore Ravens 42-38. to What a fun game. You know, we gave, first of all, on the Ravens' side, let me just talk about Lamar Jackson. The stat line from, from like, his passing perspective looks like a standard day. 21 for 29, 318, three touchdowns. A very good day. But then that man goes out and carries nine times for 119 yards and a touchdown. I mean. That's Lamar. Yeah, it's Lamar. See, that's the type of production that you want out of Lamar Jackson. And and I think a lot of folks, um, you know, we were kind of missing that. We were kind of concerned that maybe Lamar is kind of losing his touch on things with his contract talks, especially after week one. He did. He had a very modest performance in week one. No, this week he came out. He had over just on his own, between his arm and his legs. He had over 400 yards of offense. So, I mean, I think that's saying something. Um, and another nice surprise for everybody is Rashad Bateman. Four receptions, 108 yards. He had a touchdown on the day. That's his second touchdown in as many weeks. Um, the the Ravens, uh, they look strong in spite of the loss. I think the defense needs a little bit of work. They were missing some pieces this week. Uh, what do you make of the Ravens? They're one and one right now. I mean, well, I, I, they're playoffs. Well, I would not count them out of the playoffs just yet, but they're definitely not like Ravens teams of before, of yesteryear, especially on defense. You know, right. um, I do not believe that the Ravens defense is as uh, good as we remember them. Uh, but credit must be given where credit is due. Tua and the Miami Dolphins really lit up the field, and they and they lit up against you know one of the better teams in the NFL. So yes, very surprising performance. One my, up for my money, best game of the week. Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic game. I want to talk a little bit about Tua Tungavailoa. Um, this is probably. You know, we always talk about statement games. We talk about games where, where uh, you know, players um, come out and have those kind of sort of career-defining games, the that wake-up call, those coming-out parties. Garrett Wilson had one this week. This could be like the coming-out party for Tua Tungavailoa. I mean, 36 for 50, 469. He had six touchdowns on the day, two picks, a come-from-behind, comeback victory after being down 28-7 to at the half. He goes out and he puts up a 28.4th quarter, um, just fires back, I mean, against a very good Baltimore team. 
Um, Tua's making us sort of eat our words here, too. We weren't completely sold on him. Granted, uh, let's be honest, we, he does have two premier weapons on the field in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. I mean, and both those guys. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 11 receptions for 192 touchdowns. Jalen Waddell had 11 receptions, 171 and two touchdowns. I mean, he's got two premier weapons. Like, I mean, let's, that's just what it is. I mean, he... Jalen Waddell is definitely a great pickup for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, I had him on fantasy last year. Uh, we could talk about that. Too. Well, I, I got a, I got him in a trade, and I got to tell you, uh, he did put up some surprising numbers last year, and he's showing him, and he's showing that he's, uh, you know, he's improved. So you know, look out for this kid on the field. And obviously, Tyreek Hill came from the Kansas City Chiefs and picked up right where he left off. So with the with the proper weapons at his disposal, we can easily see why Tua's having a great year this year. Let's hope it keeps up. Yeah, I, I think Tua so far, and, and right now, if I'm not mistaken, he's right up in the top three of uh, total passing yards. I, I just look at, at the, that team, and, and um, you know, I, I'm pretty impressed with, with how Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are getting things done. Also, one thing I want to point out, um, the, the number one running back over there, and this is just a small stat that stood out for me, 11 carries, 51 yards, and 4.6 average for Raheem Mostert. He got the bulk of the carries. I think Raheem Mostert, when he played over in San Francisco, he was a solid number one, uh, barring injury. And Raheem Mostert, again, showing his worth here, he could wind up being the number one over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's a really good running back. I think just because of the injury, San Francisco kind of let him walk, and they do have Elijah Mitchell over there. Um, and they really have a good backup in Jeff Wilson as well. But Mostert winds up taking the bulk of the carries. I do think the Dolphins have a number one running back in him as long as he can stay healthy. Agreed. Yeah. Um, next up, we got the Bucks and the Saints. The Bucks t- beat the Saints twenty to ten. It was a wild game. Tom Brady still looking human. I mean, let's just, that's a newsflash right there. Tom Brady looking human. Uh, 18 for 34, 190 yards. He had a touchdown on the day. Leonard Fournette, 24 carries for 65 yards. He was kind of quiet on the day. Um, interesting situation unfolds during this game, though. We have a, a sort of a shoving match going on, um, and and Tom Brady, uh, you know, he yells at at Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore goes to confront him. Leonard Fournette pushes Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore throws a punch at Leonard Fournette, and then Mike Evans runs from all the way across the field to knock over Marshawn Lattimore. And and Evans and Lattimore have a history of. You know, jawing at each other and whacking each other and whatever else. Um, turns into a full-on bench-clearing melee. At the end of the day, Evans and Lattimore both get kicked out of the game. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the Mike Evans situation here shortly, but both get kicked out of the game. Um, and, and the Saints go on to lose this game to the Bucks, 20-10. to Jameis Winston, a rough game for him. You know, this is kind of what I've grown to you know, know and loathe about Jameis Winston is the fact that one week he's hot and the next week he's not. This is the not hot week. He was 25 for 40, 236. He had a touchdown, but he had three interceptions on the day. I just want to point out, first of all, I think Jameis Winston is really affected by the back injury that he's having. But also, I really think that that Bucks defense is, you know, it was for real a few years ago. This year, it is for real. This Bucks defense has been awesome, and they tore him up for three picks. I really like the Bucks defense here, and they're really keeping them alive. The Bucks offense is not running on full all cylinders. They got a lot of injuries on that team. 
what say you about this Bucks team? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, they do have the goat on their side, even though he's looking really human. But I, I, I got to say, you know, it's early in the season. Wait till the playoffs come, because when the playoffs come, that's when Brady shines the most. Uh, it, it's good to it's good to say that the I agree with you that the defense is really stepping up because you know they only held uh, they only held uh, New Orleans to ten points. So let's you know let's keep up the fire here and uh, you know I think the Bucks have well Tom Brady was able to shake that loss uh, he he has not won against the New Orleans Saints in the regular season since coming to, to New Orleans so yeah. coming. To, so the fact that he got his first win over over a hated NFC South rival, uh, NFC South rival, is uh, you know definitely going to boost his confidence as well. So we'll see what we go from here. Yeah, he, he comes into this uh, whole situation where he hadn't beaten the Saints. You're absolutely right. He gets that monkey off of his back a little bit. Um, the Saints looked a, a little questionable there, and uh, I want to know, you know, I. I you know, Jameis Winston right now listed as questionable going into this week's game. I, I'm curious as to what the Saints are going to do at the quarterback situation. Lord knows they have Taysom Hill on the, on the roster, but he's actually performed quite well in the role that he's been used. He's been sort of used in that weird Jimmy Graham offensive weapon situation. So I want to see what, what they're going to do at their quarterback situation if Jameis is going to continue being the guy. To me, the Saints should have gone out and gotten a quarterback at some point. I don't think Jameis Winston is a guy that's going to get you to a Super Bowl at any point uh, or keep you relevant. But I, I do think that, that the uh, Saints are in dire straits right now. As for the Bucks, lots of injuries on that offense. We'll see if Tom Brady can put it all together. Uh, next up, you got the Lions and the Commanders. The Lions go out and beat the Commanders 36-27. They dominated this game um, from the onset. But one thing I want to point out is the second half the Commanders had Really should have set off alarms um, to, for, for Lions fans there because while the, they goose-egged them in the first half, the Commanders went out and put up 15 and 12 points in the third and fourth quarters, respectively. They put up all 27 points in the second half of this game. Carson Wentz came out firing. It seems as though they made adjustments, and they sort of figured out that Lions defense a little bit. And Curtis Samuel comes out, seven receptions, 78 yards. He's been the big surprise to me on this team outside of Carson Wentz himself. Uh, Wentz had himself a very good game, 30 for 46, 337, three touchdowns. Curtis Samuel had himself seven receptions, 78 yards and a touchdown. And also a guy that I was talking about as a, a uh, rookie kind of sleeper, Jahan Dotson, has really turned it up for, for Washington here. He's getting some, you know, he's not getting a million catches. We're not talking 10 catches here. But the last two games he's had combined, he's had eight catches um, and and. He's seen well, anywhere from five to six targets a game. You're seeing 59 yards and a touchdown in this one. I mean, and he made a few really pretty catches. I believe that Jahan Dotson right now, first of all, he can be a, a number two, maybe even a number one receiver if Curtis Samuel or Terry McLaurin go down. I really believe that Jahan Dotson is like basically trending toward being the future receiver of this franchise. I mean, it's a, it's a bold prediction to make. Um, you do have to understand one thing. Uh, they played the Detroit Lions. Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> so you really got you really got to hold off on that. As much as a Lions fan as I am, you know, we all spoke about this, my brother and I. You know, oh, you had this great career day, but you were playing the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Lions did do what they were supposed to do. They put up their 35 points and they held on. 
I was really concerned about their uh, two-minute game and their clock running out because they were up by two touchdowns. Yeah. And you know, they got they got it they got that two touchdown lead back at a point in the game where they needed to. So that has improved. But now it's like, okay, you're in the you are looking to win a football game here, okay? Uh, and you got to run the clock down. You got to make sure your timeouts. You run the ball. You run the ball and eat the clock. What do they do? They throw the ball and they mark it incomplete and stops the clock and gives the ball back to the Washington Commanders. Now, what Carson Wentz is no Tom Brady and he's no Aaron Rodgers, but there was still a bit of an opportunity, even though it was a nine-point game. He could have. They could have still stormed down the field, got a touchdown, recovered an onside kick, and done that whole. Th- I mean, you know, you were telling me it was a miracle, but I mean, the possibility still existed. So you there's really. A, there's a few things about this game that that kind of drove me crazy. First of all, the Commanders, you know, when when you're down 15 points, and and you you score that first touchdown, just take the fucking extra point. Don't mm-hmm. don't let the game die right away. You know, just take the extra point and hope for the best. Um, so, you know, take the easy point first. I know you want to get the hard stuff out of the way, but don't dig yourself into a hole even further. Right. You know, time running. Yeah, just it would it would just better if you just kicked that field goal. I agree. Washington would have had a chance if they yeah. missed that too. Yeah, just take the extra point. But but and then on top of it, I, I also want to point out that I thought Carson Wentz, while he isn't Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination. This is probably the best that I've seen Carson Wentz play in about two years. Um, I mean, and if he can stay healthy, I really do believe that Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. And I really love what Ron Rivera is doing over there in Washington right now to create situations for Carson Wentz to get the football out. And, and they're, again, this team has these three receivers, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. And Curtis Samuel has been the big surprise, but there's all three of them are really good receivers and they're really worth the time. And I don't think Logan Thomas is the bad tight end either. But I look at that situation and looking at what they're doing with Carson Wentz, they're running sort of like this weird hybrid spread offense deal. And it's working for Carson Wentz. It's allowing him to use that arm to arm talent that he has. I really like what Washington's doing. And then on the, the Lions side of the ball, talk about creative offense. I mean, Jared Goff, you know, you didn't like Jared Goff. Tyler didn't like Jared Goff. Ray didn't like Jared Goff. Everybody shit on Jared Goff. Jared Goff went 20 for 34 for 256 and four touchdowns in this game. It was a very inventive way for the Lions to run their offense. I think Amon Ross St. Brown, I don't give a shit if Jamison Williams comes back right now or not. Amon Ross St. Brown is the number one receiver on this football team. I think Jamison Williams, as good as he is, I think Jamison Williams continues to be the number two receiver behind Amon Ra. We talked about St. Brown when he got picked up um, in the draft, and and we were talking about draft sleepers, Tyler and I were, and and Tyler talked about, you know, we both agreed Amon Ra St. Brown was probably one of, if not the steal of the draft, and he's proving that every step of the way uh, we really felt that when, when he got drafted uh, two years ago, well, not this last draft, but the draft before, uh, that he was going to be a stud, and he's turned out to be a stud. And, and it's exciting to see. Um, that, you know, it's it's sad for me as a Vikings fan, but it is exciting to see just, you know, as a, a 
looking at that player and looking what he's at what he's capable of and what he's been doing and how he's been accomplishing things, I really do believe Amon Ross St. Brown is the number one receiver for the Detroit Lions moving forward, regardless of whether or not Jamison Williams makes a return. I I, I strongly agree with that. Yeah. And, um. Yeah. I really do think that's where we're headed here. Yep. So uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, absolutely, without a doubt, without question, he's the number one receiver. You know, he's proven his worth. You know, he's, he's in a second year in the league. And, you know, he's putting up some impressive numbers. I mean, I still, as, as much as as much as much Jared Goff's stat lines are showing that he's not as bad as everybody's saying he is, I still do not see him being the guy in Detroit. Should we go out and get another quarterback? Uh, probably to swap out Jared Goff when uh, his time comes up. You know, I don't think it's a bad idea to draft a quarterback in next year's draft. It depends on how well the class is. You know, if the class is strong, go get one. If the, cl- if the, if the, co- if the class is not that strong, and eh, get the best one as early as you can. But so I, I mean, I'm having. I mean, I guess I'm still having a hard time. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie about the stat lines. I mean, they're great. I guess I, for some reason, call it intuition call it whatever you want i don't see him as being the guy like he's not not gonna be like a like he's not gonna be like matthew stafford was the guy for nine years yeah you know yeah well, everybody calls him pat stafford but at the same time you know he was the guy in Detroit. i don't see jared goff panning out that far but he's definitely been impressive this year Absolutely. yeah i think I think Goff has been impressive. I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't. I agree with you that I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's a guy that's going to bring a Lombardi to Detroit. But but one thing I do think about about Jared Goff is that I think people gave him sort of a bad rap based on how things went with the Rams. I think people gave him a bad rap because he had a rough start to the beginning of the season last year, and then in the last eight games he found his footing. He uh, became the he was the most quarterback accurate quarterback in the league in those last eight weeks. I think he looked damn good. Um, and now, right now, like, I'm not going to sit here and say his his stat line was a world-beating stat line. But I thought Jared Goff was very Alex Smith-like. I think he was very game-managing. Um, and I think that's a fair assessment of him. I don't think that that, that Jared Goff is, is some type of, you know, world-beater world or anything like that. I don't expect him to be some sort of world-beater. But what I do expect out of Jared Goff is a very fair, clean stat line. And, and I expect Jared Goff to to go out and do exactly what he's been doing, game managing. He might be the bridge quarterback for the Detroit Lions moving forward. And there might be a situation where they wind up going into the draft and they find that, you know, their quarterback of the future. I'm sure that will happen. And I think that's probably why they extended him the way that they did, because they did extend him, if I'm not mistaken, for this year and next year. So if they do have him and let's say they do go into this year's draft and they find their quarterback of the future, then you're talking about a guy sitting on the bench behind Jared Goff, which is definitely not a bad situation to be in for the Detroit Lions in any stretch. Uh, and and I really believe that the Lions are going to find themselves in a really positive situation if that's the case. Don't you? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that I think that's a great way to go, drafting a quarterback and then having him learn behind Jared Goff and under Dan Campbell and that and being in that positive. Uh, environment yeah. would, was going to really help him and mold him and shape him. So it'll be exciting to see 
you know, um, you know, we could be Super Bowl bound in a few years here. I mean, you have we have a different opinion on that. No, but. actually, I, I, it's it's one of the worst nightmares that that I have is that right now, currently, as it stands, the Lions uh, team is improving so much, and me as a Vikings fan from Detroit, it's going to be a tough go um, if the Lions do make the Super Bowl. But I, I mean, honestly, I this year so you no, I, I think they'll make it this year but i really do think that the detroit lions are on that that precipice right now they're on that way and if they can improve their defense this team is going to be outlandishly good yep that's the, that's the that's the achilles heel right now is that secondary we have none right now and and one thing i will say a guy that's quietly become a shutdown corner for you guys is jeff okuda um, in spite of his injuries, he has improved a lot and quietly become one of the better corners in this league. He's been pretty exciting, and the way he's shut down some of these receivers in the last couple of weeks has caught my eye. So I just wanted to bring that up. I think he's a good shutdown corner right now. But speaking of bad quarterback play, we're going to talk about this. Uh, the next game we've got here is the Niners and the Seahawks. The Niners go out, beat the Seahawks 27-7. to You want to talk about bad quarterback play? Uh, I want to talk about guys like Trey Lance, and I want to talk about guys like Geno Smith. Just a rough go for those guys. Trey Lance goes down with the injury. He was two for three for 30 yards in the game. He has an, uh, an, or an ankle injury, rather. He goes out. He has to have ankle surgery. It was a fractured ankle. Jimmy G trots out onto the field, 13 for 21, 154, and a touchdown. Uh, it was late in the first quarter he came out, and Jimmy G gets it done. Uh, teams, I think, were trying to compensate for Jimmy Garoppolo here. Uh, because they know he is the better quarterback than Trey Lance. And sure enough, Jimmy G comes out, gets it done. He throws a touchdown and, and has himself a, I mean, a, a very mediocre game against a very questionable Seahawks defense. But Jeffrey Wilson, in, in a backup role as the running back for the Niners, he comes out, 18 carries, 84 yards, uh, with Elijah Mitchell coming out. I think Jeffrey Wilson is a really great spot start as far as being a backup running back, don't you? Yeah, that, without question. You know, the fact that Mitchell's gone down with an injury and and uh, this, this other guy stepped up to, uh, you know, carry the load, so to speak. You know, he's actually, uh, you know, he, he's actually getting it done. Uh, you know, they got they got a, a Jimmy G coming back as, a quarter, as the quarterback. Obviously, it was the big story in, in this big victory against the Seahawks. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how... That, it, that team improves because remember I mean the the, 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 San, the 49ers from what I'm to understand didn't they drop their first game of the season they dropped their first game of the season um, in in decisive fashion but it really what it comes down to for me the 49ers getting getting Jimmy Garoppolo back into the fold we got to remember this team was an NFC championship uh, uh, team last year they played went, in it and they went to a Super Bowl you know I think the year before. Yep, with Jimmy G. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer that to me that Jimmy G should be in here. I mean, we talked about it on the show. Um, you know, Trey Lance. <clears throat> we he we just haven't we haven't seen the accuracy that we want to see out of Trey Lance here. And I I really believe that that now, um, you know, the, the jury made its sort of decision, and now he's going to be out for the year with dealing with the the injury. I, he's just it's going to be a rough go. And then on the Seattle side, you know, Geno Smith, accuracy-wise, he was there. He was 24 for 30. He had 197 yards. It's a shame, though. We always talk about Tyler Lockett and how Tyler Lockett is good for, like, you know, 
four good games a year for like these monster numbers. Well, this was one of them. He had nine receptions for 107 yards. And then he goes out and, and it gets wasted in a 27-7 loss to the Niners. Um, I really think the Seattle Seahawks made a mistake having Geno Smith on board. I think that they made a mistake having Trey Lan- or, uh, 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 Drew Locke as their backup. I think they made a mistake not going after a quarterback in the offseason and in, in the draft or whatever. I think it was a massive mistake. In uh, Seattle, losing to the 49ers. Seattle's cooked, right? We're, we can't. Yeah. We can count them out right now as as not going to the playoffs, right? Stick them on the grill. They're done. I mean, you know, Russ Wilson with the Seahawks gets the hand jam syndrome, and Geno Smith has one good game, and everybody's cheering his name. And well, we haven't seen that kind of consistency from Geno Smith since. So, uh, you know, we've kind of been saying, well, he's kind of a bust, and uh, you know, so they're they're in rebuild mode at this point. So, yeah. uh, Seahawks are out. I came out last week and I said that that's about the highest Geno Smith's going to get. He beat Russ Wilson in Seattle and made the Seattle fans very, very happy. And they chanted, Geno, Geno, as he went off the field. And then he came back down to earth with the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> that's just what it was. So Geno Smith uh, gets suffers the loss. Seahawks go to a one and one on the year. Um, next up, we go to the Rams and the Falcons. Rams beat the Falcons 31-27. to Marcus Mariota has himself a decent game. The story for the Falcons, though, Mr. Drake London, eight receptions, 86 yards. He has a touchdown on the day. This was a great game for Drake London. Uh, I think Marcus Mariota found his favorite target, and a lot of people are, like, bitching and whining that, that Kyle Pitts isn't getting more involved in this situation, but Marcus Mariota has found his favorite target. Just be happy he's found his favorite target. You have a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you have you have a quarterback that who is technically a bridge quarterback in Marcus Mariota. From what I saw in preseason, I don't think Desmond Ritter is the guy. So here we are. You know, Marcus Mariota, he found his favorite target. Just let him roll with Drake London. Drake London is doing a good job out there. I think he is a solid receiver, and he's going to develop into a really nice number one. He already sort of is. Um, and then on the Rams side, you know, Matt Stafford comes out, has himself an all right game. We saw this was Matt Stafford doing Matt Stafford things. Uh, yeah. 27 for 36, 272. He had three touchdowns. He did have the two picks. Let's not forget Matt Stafford led the league in interceptions last year. Um, but Cooper Cup, 11 receptions, 108, two touchdowns, typical of Cooper Cup. I think it was a very high scoring game. People were a little surprised that this game was as close as it was. I didn't expect it to be as close as it was. Um, the Falcons showed some fight here, but the Rams wound up putting it away. Uh, Rams get the W here. Do you think Matt Stafford is starting to find his rhythm again in spite of the elbow injury? Yes, I, I do agree. You know, uh, Give them a couple of games and maybe they'll be back to their, their true winning ways uh, when, you know, in spite of uh, Mike McConnell going to the Vikings. Uh, you know, also, you know, let's uh, see. If, Kevin O'Connell, rather. Kevin O'Connell, is that what his name is? Okay. Yes, yes, Kevin but, let's, but let's see if, uh, you know, if Matt can, up, you know, up the production here. Uh, you know, obviously Cooper Cup needs to stay healthy. Uh, Tyler Higby, I think, should get enough, some opportunities and catches. You know, he's, okay. he's, he's a good he's a good tight end. Uh, but you can't be one-dimensional. You know, I think you got to build up that running game a little bit. You know, because with, without, without the running game, eh. You know, the Rams may not. I mean, they'll probably make the playoffs, but they might get bounced in the first round unless they make adjustments. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm, that's a bold prediction I'm making. Yeah, the uh, the interesting thing about the Rams is the the lack of um, 
Well, I don't I don't understand the timeshare situation that they have going on between Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers currently. Um, it, it seems kind of weird. I know Daryl Henderson, technically speaking, is outgaining out uh, Cam Akers right now, but Cam Akers is the better running back um, from an every-down perspective. I, I do think that Cam Akers should be used in that that every down running back type of role, whereas Daryl Henderson should be used in the change of pace role. Cam Akers, you know, he sort of entered the doghouse for, for, you know, with the Rams coaching staff because he wasn't blocking as well. To me, I think Cam Akers should just be on the field about, it should be about a 75-25 cut here, and you, you should only be seeing Daryl Henderson in change of pace situations where, where you're passing a lot or whatever the case. It just doesn't make sense that Daryl Henderson is getting those rushes. He is not an every down back. And and I think it showed last year, it showed the year before, and here we are, Cam Akers, not getting the touches that he should be getting as an every down back. So the Rams, you know, they're showing up. And Drake London, do you think he is just the stud of the, the Atlanta Falcons? I think he's the future of that franchise. Well, <laughs> it's a little early to say whether he's the future of the franchise, to be sure. I mean, it's, it's definitely... He's definitely a stud based on the way he's played so far. Uh, you know, the Falcons need a good player, somebody that they can rally behind, and uh, you know, because they've practically been a non-entity for the past several years. After that uh, 28-3 Super Bowl that evaporated in the fourth quarter or throughout the game, so uh, it's it'll, it'll it's good to see that the Atlanta Falcons have a you know, a, not a potential, but a you know, a you know, class A wide receiver, is he the face of the franchise? It's yet to be seen. Give give us a couple, give us a couple more games. Give us a year and a half, maybe. I'm thinking, but they're definitely trending in the right direction. Yeah, they're starting to build that nucleus there. I think, and and we you know we talked about it with the Jets. I think they are kind of missing at the quarterback position. But I mean, really, from a wide receiver perspective, I think he looks damn good. And and uh, Drake London kind of. Moving up, if if he can overshadow Kyle Pitts, who had himself a damn good season last year, I really do believe that he could wind up being, you know, a real star on that team. You give me another quarterback and another receiver on that team. You give me like a, a nice rookie that you drafted and the, the first round guy that you really think you can build around. Because I'm gonna just be honest, I I saw Desmond Ritter and I'm just not sold. Yeah. Uh, who who did he play for? Like who was in college? Who was he in college? University of Cincinnati. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I thought you talked about somebody else that was uh, that, uh, somebody else from Oklahoma that was just not panning out. But yeah, oh, been... yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. He got transferred out of that that group. But yeah, you know, Ritter he went to the playoffs at the University of Cincinnati. He's just not a very accurate quarterback. I don't think he's very accurate, and he's going to have himself a hard time in this league. I just don't think he is the star that everybody's talking about. Um, it's it's just going to be a rough go for him. And Mariota's kind of a similar quarterback, but Mariota is more accurate, believe it or not. Um, so, I mean, it, which is a tough thing to say because it's fucking Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah, real. that's true. I mean, he hasn't really panned out since then. Right, but, but let's be real. I mean, we, we look at this situation. I think Drake London is going to be a special player for that team in, in the long term. Um, I think they they're moving in the right direction, as you said. Uh, next up, you got the Cardinals beating the Raiders 29-23. Uh, this one was a fun one. Went to overtime. Kyler Murray, uh, I mean, he uh, to his credit, fought back. He fought hard for this win. He had to fight hard for this win. Derek, uh, this win. Derek Carr had himself a good game. 
Um, Devontae Adams was shut down in this game. He had two receptions for 12 yards. He only had one touchdown on the day. That was the big highlight for him. But Derek Carr comes out and, and 25 for 39, 252. Mac Hollins, Hunter Renfro carry the bulk of the load. Darren Waller gets a touchdown, 50 yards on the day. Carr was spreading it out quite a bit here. I thought the um, the Cardinals' uh, defense really kind of – they were really good about stopping – uh, those Raiders receivers and stopping that passing attack. It was a, a kind of a pleasant surprise on their end. On the other side, you got Kyler Murray going 277, one touchdown, one interception. He did have a rushing touchdown on the day. Uh, you know, Daryl Williams, surprise, surprise, eight carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown. I see that, and I get excited. I didn't understand why they were running Eno Benjamin all day. I thought Daryl Williams was the better runner. but um, And Zach Ertz winds up leading the team in, in receptions and yards. You know, I, I think the Cardinals right now are just trying to hang on until uh, until DeAndre comes back there. <laughs> and then they're going to, you know, be the, the Cardinals of old. But I don't think Hollywood Brown is the proper replacement. Um, you know, we're looking at this Arizona Cardinals team. I think right now they're just holding on for dear life. They've got four more games. And if they can get those through those four more games, that, you know, we're having a different conversation. Yep. Uh, as soon as DeAndre Hopkins gets healthy, uh, you know, it is a different ballgame because he's definitely wide receiver number one. Uh, also, you have to kind of give uh, credit, uh, what what the opposite of credit is, to Hunter Renfro uh, fumbling the ball on one of the last plays of the game in overtime, and Arizona picked it up and did a scoop and score. Obviously, they had to take a look at it and uh, after the fact, and I thought it was, didn't we have a brief conversation about how it was possible that that call got missed? Like he wasn't supposed to, like it wasn't supposed to be a, a scoop and score, uh, I guess. The, the, call, the call, I think, was a, it was a missed call, but at the end of the day, you know, they're going to roll with it, you yeah. know, when, when it comes down to, I mean, um, the, the Cardinals, to me, eh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sold on them. I think unless they have uh, Hopkins, you know, they're, they're going to be uh, they're going to be having a hard time. You know, that's just how it's going to go. They they don't have their number one. They you know that's that's always been the problem for them. They do not have their number one receiver. It's going to continue to be an issue. Um, and and Hollywood Brown, the expectation that Hollywood Brown was going to be. Uh, you know, the guy is kind of silly. Yeah, especially uh, since he had a case of the Drobskis last year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, you got the Broncos and the Texans. You know, so this game, I've, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the stats, but I want to talk about one of the big stories of this game. So Damian Pierce, he gets 15 carries, 69 yards. He had himself a decent game here. Uh, Davis Mills just kind of, you know, lying in the weeds a little bit. He had a, a little bit of rough go. Quiet to, for so far has been Brandon Cooks. He's been having kind of a quiet year so far. Um, he had four, four receptions for 54 yards. But on the Broncos' side of the ball, Russ Wilson goes 14 for 31 for 219, a touchdown and a pick. Um, and, and... The, the Broncos have notoriously been really, really, really good about um, running the football. That's always been kind of their M.O. They have Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. They're kind of that two-headed monster. Williams had 15 carries for 75 yards. Gordon had 10 carries for 47 yards, which is fine. Cortland Sutton carried the bulk of the load, receiving seven receptions for 122. 
Russ Wilson looked like shit in this game against a Houston Texans team that, I mean, they're 0-1-1 right now. I, you know, I just... But the interesting thing is that in Denver, the Denver Broncos come off the field, and as that offense is trotting into the tunnel, the fans at Mile High are booing the Denver Broncos off of the field. They are booing their team off the field because of the way that offense played. Do you blame them, Alex? Nope, Uh, especially when you signed Russell Wilson to that five-year super expensive deal and he was supposed to go into Seattle with a sledgehammer and possibly a bulldozer and bury them, and instead he drops a deuce against the Seattle Seahawks, against his old team. That chef's serving up L's uh, for his own team to eat. Um, So, you know, and the fact that he had to squeak one out against one of the worst teams in the NFL, the dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans, uh, I think uh, the Denver Broncos front office... uh, got sold a bill of goods. At least yeah. that's what that lines are telling us. Uh, is it too early to is it too early to press the panic button? Yes. We're only two games in, uh, three or three games in rather. Is this week three or week four? So we're going into week three right now. So we're, we're going into week three. So we've only had two games this season. What did the how did the Denver Broncos respond to this adversity? Does Russell Wilson uh, realize who he is and what he's doing, and does he come back, or uh, do you think that uh, I, I don't know? It's, it, it, it remains to be seen. He's got a very tough test this week, going up against a very tough 49ers defense. I mean, that's going to be a fun one for him. Um, yeah. But well, it depends on his definition of fun. Is he going to rip up, or is he going to get sacked like 40 or 50 times? Right. I'm just trying to be an optimist. you got to work with him. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and next up, we got the Cowboys and the Bengals. A big surprise here. Cooper Rush goes out and outplays Joe Burrow. Cooper Rush, 19 for 31, 235. He had a touchdown on the day. Joe Burrow, 24 for 36, 199, and a touchdown. It was a bad game for Joe Burrow, another bad one. T. Higgins gets six receptions for 71 and was 71 at a touchdown, so he had himself a decent game. The Cowboys over here, look, I got to point this out. First of all, let me just talk about the fact that I think Cooper Rush is one of the better backups in this league at this point. I think he's great for a spot start. Last season, if you remember, he beat my Vikings on uh, Halloween night, and and it was a tough loss on a Monday night football. And uh, Cooper Rush looked damn good in that game. And here we are. Cooper Rush (laughs) goes out and beats the reigning AFC champions. Um, First of all, Cooper Rush is probably one of the better uh, backups in this league. I'll say that. And a lot of people are going, oh, yeah, fuck Cooper Rush and whatever. Okay. And and, I don't think there's going to be any controversy. I think Dak Prescott... Comes back, he takes his starting job, and Dak kind of continues on the way he was going to continue on. The Cowboys didn't pay him all that money for shits and giggles. No, nope. but you look at a situation with the, there's a number that kind of sets me off, and that's the the way that Ezekiel Elliott has been used so far this season. <clears throat> you have a star running back in Ezekiel Elliott, and everybody keeps talking about Tony Pollard this and Tony Pollard that. Which, and, don't get us wrong. Tully Pollard is a decent running back himself, yeah. but he's Zeke. Yeah, very good running back. I think Zeke is the better runner, quite frankly. And and I think Tony Pollard has been used in a lot of exotic packages with Mike McCarthy, and he's been used as a change of pace back a lot of times. 
And Zeke is the better of the two, in my opinion, as far as running goes and, and being just that bulldozer type of running back. Zeke should be getting 25 carries a game. There's no reason why he shouldn't be getting 25 carries a game. I watched him in week one, and when I was what I saw in week one, especially on that opening drive, was an Ezekiel Elliott that's ready to fucking go. And if you're not going to give Ezekiel Elliott those, those uh, touches, if you're not going to give him the, the opportunities, then Z- Ezekiel Elliott is a waste of money because you just got done paying this guy so much money. I think Mike McCarthy right now is wasting a very, very talented running back in Ezekiel Elliott. He should be getting no less than 25 carries a game at this point. Um, and Tony Pollard, he's a good runner. It's not to say that he's a bad runner. He is a really, really good runner, and he's going to get paid somewhere when he winds up leading, leaving the Cowboys if he ever does. But Tony Pollard, he should be, at this point, used in that change of pace role. I don't think that, that Tony Pollard should be the one that's seeing all these exotic packages that the Mike McCarthy is putting out there. The Cowboys, even though they get the win here, I think it's just a mess the way that they are using Ezekiel Elliott right now. I just don't buy it. Um, and the reason I say Tony Pollard should be used in, in those exotic packages and this change of pace downs, four receptions, 55 yards. He had a 13.8 average on the day. Mm-hmm. He's yep. he's Austin Eckler. I mean, that's that's what you're looking at. He's a change of pace. He's an Austin Eckler type of guy. And and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and really, C.D. Lamb right now getting, you know, you had Noah Brown who blew up for the Cowboys this, this week for five receptions, 91 yards, yep. a touchdown. He had himself a big game. Interesting situation for the Cowboys. Um, I really do think that they should be running their offense. They do get the win. They eke one out against a Bengals team that's kind of reeling after week one and that has not looked like the same football team that that went to the the Super Bowl last year. But the Cowboys need to kind of figure it out a little bit. And the fact that they've they've really not utilized Zeke in the way that he should be utilized, especially for the last season. Really, last season they did. This season they haven't. Is a mess. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? I would absolutely agree that uh, they're setting themselves up for failure down the road if they don't use Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, it's it's mind-boggling to see why he's not getting the majority of the carry. He's a beast. He's an absolute beast. Uh, you know, he's definitely a premium running back. He absolutely is. So what you what, you know? So what needs to happen is, as you said, you know, give him more touches. You know, Cooper Rush, you know, is is going to stave off the bleeding. You know, however long it's going to take Dak Prescott to get injured and to get his injury healed up, uh, and surprisingly, and the Cowboys' defense is really the ones keeping them in the game. I think I don't know if we talked about that. Nice pick, nice. Uh, sorry, I was watching the Michigan game here, getting close. Um, but um, it's it's interesting to see that you know the the, Cow, the the Cowboys' defense is probably going to be their bread and butter for the next couple weeks, and you know that the, the the little extra help that Cooper Rush and Noah Brown. Uh, are going to give them, you know, will get them through the tough parts. Uh, <laughs> it was so funny to see that Fox NFL Sunday was basically shitting all over the Cowboys, basically just because they lost Dak Prescott. And they should be eating a lot of crow over there in uh, in New York or wherever they film that studio, or in Los Angeles or whatever. But, yeah, suffice to say, a little overreaction. Uh, Cooper Rush has definitely proven that uh, he can get the Cowboys over the hump. And, uh, and you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where, how the rest of the season pans out. Yeah, I agree. Um, next up, we got the Packers and the Bears. Bear, uh, Packers go out and beat the Bears 27-10. to 
I'm not going to sit here and say Aaron Rodgers is back or anything like that. Let's let's no. just bear in mind this is the Packers beating the lowly Bears. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> out. Rodgers had a very, really kind of a modest stat line for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, 19 for 25, 234. He had two touchdowns. Um, the story of this game, obviously, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones goes out and looks like Aaron Jones should. Um, 15 carries, 132. He had a touchdown on the day. Uh, he was getting all the receptions. He had a, another touchdown through the air. Third, uh, he had three receptions for 38. Aaron Jones, you know, um, he shared carries for a while with with uh, uh, A.J. Dillon over there. And it seems like Aaron Jones just wanted to remind everybody, hey, I'm still the fucking guy over here. You know, like, <laughs> that's kind of what we were looking at. So uh, Aaron Jones goes out, has himself a really solid game uh, against the Bears. And uh, he was kind of the story of that one. On the other end, the Bears, Justin Fields, 7 for 11, 70-yard pick. He had probably one of the worst, uh, you know, and and he was so inaccurate. He really was. Or he was so accurate in that game, rather. 7 for 10 is not bad, obviously, from an accuracy standpoint. But, man, what what a a measly 70 yards. I mean, and and I get that. And a lot of it's not him. He's going to... You know, do what the coaches tell him. But I, I really don't think Justin Fields is the real deal, and I think the coaches kind of took the ball out of his hands and said, you are not the real deal. Um, David Montgomery had himself uh, a really solid game in this game, 15 carries, 122. I mean, he had himself a, a uh, probably the best game I've seen David Montgomery have in a while, right? Yep. I mean, absolutely. You know, his fantasy numbers certainly proved it, and that's why uh, I, was, I lost that game. Uh, even if I would have traded in DeAndre Swift for Devin Singletary, uh, who we'll get to in a second, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have won that week. Devin, David, David Montgomery definitely is, uh, you know, the, you know, the running back on that team. But the Bears overall are really just, you know, yeah, just they're fourth, they're fourth place in the NFC for sure. And Justin Fields does not help that case. He's good old Bustin Fields, and that's 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 how I'm gonna. Uh, he actually also said something like uh, either in a post game interview or some other interview where it's like, well, it hurts for us, you know, just as much as it hurts the fans. You know, we're we're out there playing our hearts out, and while the point can be made that you know they're the ones on the field they're the ones doing the work they're the ones trying to you know run the plays and get everything done you do also have to kind of look at the fan base as well they're the ones paying the money to see the tickets to come see you so who's hurting more from this loss uh, the bears uh the bears team or the bears fans well yeah and here's my problem with that and and we we sort of talked about this off the air it really bugged the hell out of me <clears throat> let me just say this the Chicago Bears fans have been through the ringer. They haven't won anything since 1985. And and I, I they, they've seen some really bad years, and they've seen some really, really good years. They, they had the one Super Bowl appearance where they lost to the Colts, and that was a heartbreaker. Let me just point out, I, I just really think that Justin Fields made himself look like an arrogant ass because he's out there going, oh, well, well, my pain is worse than yours. You know, no, you can't come out and say that to fans. If if Kirk Cousins tomorrow, I'm a I'm a, you know, I've been no. to a Vikings fan since I was seven years old. Okay, yep. I was almost seven, and I'm 35 years old now. So we're we're talking 28 years of Vikings fandom here. 
And I have invested a lot of money and time and, and my emotions and my heart into that football team. If Kirk Cousins came out and said that tomorrow, I would tear his ass apart. Because in your defense, you already have a couple of times. Oh, um, yeah, but, but Kirk Cousins has never come out and alienated me as a fan. Right, right. And, that, yeah. and that's my point, is, is he alienated the fan base in Chicago. I think Justin Fields is not only a, a bust, but I think he's somewhat of a PR nightmare at this point. I think the fans just really uh, um, are not happy with him. I, I think that, and, and rightfully so, I think the fans have every reason to be pissed. And there's some fans that are out there trying to defend him. Oh, well, why don't you go out of the practice field with him? <laughs> yeah, motherfucker, I'm not getting paid $9 million a year. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. You're getting, they're getting paid a buttload of money. Yeah. There and go, oh, my pain is worse. When, you know, that one, there's that one viral video that's going around with the guy wearing the, the bear's coat and the bear's hat and the bear's hand wraps, not the hand wraps, but the wristbands. And he's, he says to his girlfriend, hey, man, yeah, I've only known you two months. You know, I've been with this, this team for 22 years or something. Yeah. Like that. And, and so my, that's the point. My, my thing about it is, is you, You've got these fans out there who are living their everyday lives, right? We we aren't wealthy, super wealthy people. We're not. A majority of us aren't out here making six figures, okay? But you get the the fan who who may be living week to week on his paycheck or whatever the case may be, and that guy goes out and he spends two hundred and fifty dollars to go to the ball game and have a decent seat, and then and sometimes a crappy seat in the case of Fort Field. I mean, a lot of times a hundred and plus dollars are sitting in the upper deck. But, uh, you know, you, you get these fans that go out there. They're, they're dropping 250 bucks to go to the game. They're going to go out and spend their $100 on a, on a or if not more, on a, on a Bears jersey. They're going to go into the game and they're going to pay for, for merchandise because they want to be a Bears fan and they want to support their team. And then they're going to spend the money and the gas to drive down there. And then they're going to go in and they're going to buy concessions because they want to they wanna be able to eat. So they're going to spend money at the stadium. And then you're going to sit there and crap on those Bears fans. Or any fans, you know, that, that come out to those football games when when you're out there making nine million dollars a year. And I take it I take major umbrage with that and and it's a problem. It's a that's a that's a problem to me. That's an annoying thing to me more than anything. But that that's an issue. I think Justin Fields really made a, a it was a poor decision, I guess, and it was a poor choice of words. Um, and, and I just really get annoyed with Justin Fields with that commentary. But, um, you know, I don't see him uh, surviving in the NFL much longer, quite frankly. And I wouldn't be upset if he was gone after the comments like that. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be as upset if he was gone, period. Yeah. I mean, well, you know what? It really, to me, if the Bears want to keep him, they can go ahead and keep him. Because I would totally love for them to just be sitting on the bottom of the division for the rest of their, their existence. But... Um, <laughs> The only, the only people I would rather wish that on are, are the Packers, but I digress. Um, next up, we get the Titans and the Bills. The Bills go out and just kick the shit out of the Titans, uh, 41-7. This was a beating from Jump Street. The Titans do not look like the Titans of old. Uh, not a, a an elite quarterback. Ryan Tannehill goes out, 11 for 20, 117, two picks. Look, I understand the Bills' defense is tough, but dear God, man, this is just a an absolute mess. Let me just point out, Hassan Haskins outgained Derrick Henry, and I understand the Bills' defense 
Um, had themselves a really, really solid game, and they were really focused in on Derrick Henry. He had 13 carries for 25 yards. He did have a touchdown on the day. This is probably one of the worst performances that I've ever seen from Derrick Henry since he came into the league. Hassan Haskins had nine carries for 37 yards. Um, this was just a bad, ugly, disgusting game by the Titans. And then over on the Bills side, you get Josh Allen throwing for four touchdowns, having himself just a ball. Steph Dick mm-hmm. out there, 148 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, you, <laughs> this is something. It, it, it's um, just like one of these things is not like the other. And uh, you know, I think most of the most of the blame or the, I would I would say you know the Bills offense is just running on all cylinders. Uh, it was kind of weird to see Devin Singletary uh, only get the production that he got. I think he only got like 50 yards or something for for his carries. Uh, you know they were used. I mean they were put in James Cook in the in the third part of the quarter when everybody was you know when they were putting third stringers in, and I think it was predicted on this show that uh, James Cook would actually wind up uh, climbing up the ladder in the running back ranks. Is that correct? Yeah, but uh, that's looking like dead ass wrong. Mm. Okay. Yeah. My my bold my bold predictions are uh, right now that that is looking like an ugly ugly thing <laughs> for. For James Cook, he is not going to <clears throat> to climb up those ranks. But um, man, oh man, uh, the the Bills right now. I mean, I think they're trending as a Super Bowl favorite right now in the AFC. I think the Bills right now are are looking at AFC title game. They're looking at a Super Bowl. They're looking at you know W Pen- across the board. Pen- makes the Super Bowl on the NFC side. We may very well finally see the Buffalo Bills climb over the hill and get that ring. If anybody in this league deserves it, it's Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I think the Bills, they're going to have to uh, exercise the demon that is the Kansas City Chiefs, who have eliminated yep. them from the playoffs the last yep. couple of years. But I really hope the Bills do. I'm rooting for them um, because I, I do actually like the Bills franchise. I think they're, they're a really great fan base over there, and I think they're a really good franchise. It would be really cool and something different to finally see the Bills, you know, do something like that. See one of those teams that hasn't won a championship win a championship. Um, speaking of teams that haven't won a championship, my Vikings go ahead and lose to the Eagles, 24 to seven. It was a beating from Jump Street. The Vikings couldn't get anything going. Kirk Cousins looked like absolute shit. Uh, he goes out in 27 for 46, 221. He had a touchdown. He had three interceptions. First of all. Um, I Do you think that what we saw in week one with the Vikings beating the Packers, was it fool's gold, Alex? You know, based on the performance, okay, I'm going to say this. Uh, I would wait a couple, I would leave, I would wait at least one more week. Let's, let's let this Vikings-Lions game decide that. And the reason I say that is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers looked like shit in week one. You know, they look, they made the Minnesota Vikings look like world beaters. Aaron Rodgers jumped back, but you got to remember they're playing the Bears. So I don't, you know, so it's kind of like this weird, there's this weird dichotomy going on right now. And uh, I think we just got a big pick uh, to end the game in Michigan. Um, but, um, it, but as far as, um, you know, the Packers, it's, it's like hot and cold. We have to see if they, if they get consistent and they look like the Packers of old and Aaron Rodgers looks like Aaron Rodgers usually does for the Vikings. Um, I really think that 
you know, Justin, you know, Justin Jefferson needs to pick it up. Uh, Kirk, you know, Kirk Cousins and uh, the, the, you know, and the Mike McCon- and the Mike McConnell uh, team here uh, needs to needs to find their identity. You know, and they'll have an opportunity to do that uh, in Minnesota against the Lions. Uh, so it's kind of early. It's not quite time yet to hit the panic button. But uh, based on the performance and another point, another point to be made, the Philadelphia Eagles are considered to be the favorite in the NFC East. And their play has been very consistent. You know, yeah. they put 38 points against the Detroit Lions. You know, they put up 24 against the Minnesota Vikings. So who's to say that it just wasn't the fact that Philadelphia was simply the better team? Mm-hmm. Granted, based on your stats with with, uh, um, with Kirk Cousins, you know, it definitely was not a good game. A, a few things that I want to point out about this game. First of all, on the Eagles side, I think Jalen Hurts has become the real deal. Yes. Uh, Tyler and I question whether or not he could be the real deal. Jalen Hurts turned into the real deal. He is like the next – him and Lamar Jackson are basically like the same player. Um, it's it's pretty amazing, except I think Jalen Hurts actually, weirdly enough, is more accurate. He was 26 for 31 for 3-3. Three, three. That's a hell of a stat line. Um, yeah. He runs the ball effectively. He had 11 carries for 57 yards. He had two touchdowns on the day rushing. I mean, it was a really interesting situation, um, Jalen Hurts. I mean, Tyler and I may be eating all kinds of crow there about how Jalen Hurts, we didn't think he was going to be the real deal. He turned out to be the real deal. Now, as far as the Minnesota Vikings go, and we, yeah, I know, but, well, I look, Kevin O'Connell, I, I'm a little concerned about a, certain, uh, a couple of things. First and foremost, I'm concerned that we didn't see very many uh, halftime adjustments. Um, we didn't really see any adjustments at all throughout that, the course of that game. Kevin O'Connell is going to have to adjust when it comes to this team. He's going to have to make those adjustments on the fly. It's going to have to happen. Um, something that, that O'Connell was very good at when he was with the Rams is getting uh, uh, Cooper Cup open and scheming Cooper Cup open when teams would cue in on Cooper Cup. He would still find a way to scheme him open. He's got to do the same thing with Justin Jefferson. Um, Irv Smith Jr. Uh, I I thought Irv Smith Jr. A lot of people were excited to see him back. I thought he had a very bad game. He would have had a very good game had he made that deep ball catch that would have resulted in a touchdown. Um, and it would have been his second touchdown of the night had he caught that ball. Instead, he dropped it right through his hands. It was ugly. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, I'm happy to see Kirk Cousins taking some risks. I'm very excited about that. But... The fact of the matter is that Kirk Cousins went out and threw some ugly, miscalculated risks, um, and and it resulted in two touchdowns on, or I'm sorry, two interceptions on his end. Kirk Cousins also threw one pick that I can't completely fault him for. Justin Jefferson sort of flattened out on the route. Darius Slay came up, made a great play, and Darius Slay had himself a great game this game. Yeah. I think the Eagles, we, we kind of laughed a little bit because we were concerned about the Eagles going, oh, I don't know if they're actually the real deal, you know. We don't know if they're actually, they're supposed to be Super Bowl favorites going into the NFC, you know. And we kind of laughed about it after week one with the Lions. Well, guess what? The Eagles look like the real deal going into uh, going into the this season now after this dominant performance of the Vikings, who we were very excited about after week one. Um, and it's kind of looking like the Eagles may be the NFC representative moving forward. The NFC looks very weak right now. Let me just make that clear. They look weak right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are our scores 
for week two in the NFL. Now, Alex, we have some uh, we have some stuff going on here as far as our uh, our rookie rankings and all kinds of stuff. So let's jump into that a uh, little situation. We're going to be jumping into our top ten performances of the week right now. Uh, let's talk about our honorable mentions real quick. We got to get those out of the way. Honorable mentions, guys on the outside looking in for our top 10 performances. Cooper Cup, 11 receptions, 108 yards, two touchdowns. He had himself a damn good game for the Rams. Uh, Justin Herbert, 33 for 48, 334 and three touchdowns on the day. He had himself a great performance. Carson Wentz, you know, we, we talked about how we don't, we're not sure if Carson Wentz is the guy. He's still an honorable mention here. 30 for 46, 337, three touchdowns and a pick. Great game for Carson Wentz in spite of the loss. Um, and let me just point out that it's a surprise that all these guys are just honorable mentions. That should set off an alarm in your head that this is an honorable yeah. mention. Here are eight receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Honorable mention here as well. The fact that those are honorable mentions should just make you go, uh, what? Okay. <laughs> those guys didn't make the top ten? And that's how many great offensive performances that we had this past week. I mean, I am blown away by some of the offensive performances that are in the top 10. Um, and I'm going to jump into number 10. goes to Nick Chubb. 17 carries, 87 yards, three touchdowns on the day. Wow. Just wow. Just wow. He's the stud. and He's the stud running back in that, on that team. Yeah, uh, it's it's it blows me away that Nick Chubb uh, had three touchdowns on the day. What a performance. And it blows me away that that's only number 10. <laughs> Next yeah, up. Number got, 10. Yeah. Number 10, number nine goes to your boy, Jared Goff, uh, 20 for 34, 256, four touchdowns on the day. Uh, he had himself a very good game against Washington. Wasn't the most accurate in the world, but still a very good game for Jared Goff. And he came through exactly when he needed to in the fourth quarter. That's huge. You know, the, uh, more than just the stat lines, more than just the PFF grades. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, are you, you know, what are you going to come in clutch when you need to come in clutch? He did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and number eight goes to Joe Flacco. Uh, Flacco, 26 for 44. He had 307 yards, four passing touchdowns on the day, including a game winner to Garrett Wilson. Flacco gets it done. Uh, you know, I like Joe Flacco a lot uh, as far as, you know, like where he is on this team. I don't think Joe Flacco is going to be a stud starter or anything like that. I didn't think he was that in Baltimore, the way that Tyler talks him up. I, I just disagree with Tyler on that. But, mm. you know, uh, Joe Flacco, to me, um, I think he's the better starter than Zach Wilson for sure. Yes. Yep, and and I think that that Joe Flacco may be a really good bridge quarterback for the for the Jets moving yep. forward when they draft a guy. I think that would be really smart. I don't think Zach Wilson is the guy. Yep. Uh, well, Zach Wilson definitely is not the guy unless you're talking about Mills. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Joe Flacco is the veteran. You know, he's been around the league for many many years. You know, and whenever if they draft another quarterback for the Jets, you know they can have him sit on the bench and learn from Flacco and learn from one of the best a former Super Bowl quarterback. Yep. So, you know, the Jets may have some upswing there. Yeah, I think Joe Flacco is in a really good spot being the starter for the Jets. And if they signed him on for another year or two, it might be the way to go. Flacco was on the brink of retirement. and They, they pulled him back out of it, and he's looked damn good so far. So Joe Flacco actually winds up on, on the uh, 
top 10. And I'm sure if Tyler's at home listening, he's soaking his jockeys right now over that one. So that's his boy. Um, number seven goes to Josh Allen, 26 for 38, 317. He had four touchdowns on the day. Um, the fact that Josh Allen is only number seven on this list should set off alarms to everybody. He had himself a damn good game. Uh, oh, yeah. Just tore the Titans apart. Yep. He's the man right now in Buffalo. He's he's the leader of the Bills Mafia. He's the Don. So, uh, you know, keep it up. Yeah, I, I, the fact that I, you know, and Tyler got this one 110% right. He said that Joe Flacco, he felt that, not Joe Flacco, that he felt that Josh Allen was going to be the stud, um, you know, coming out of that draft class. And, and rightfully so, I think that, uh, you know, um, I think we, we got to see uh, Josh Allen really show off what he's capable of. And, and Tyler, Tyler, pointed out you know that he really felt that this guy was going to be kind of that quarterback of the future that kind of hybrid quarterback that that are really is becoming more prevalent in the nfl josh allen is that hybrid quarterback for the bills yep. he really is and and the fact that but he's not your typical quarterback like like he has a really powerful arm he knows how to throw the ball downfield but but joe flacco is, or i'm sorry not joe flacco i keep saying joe flacco uh josh allen is so damn big I don't think people realize how big that guy is. He's huge. And when he runs the football, it's like, my God, you, you're facing like Jerome Bettis. <laughs> yes. And, you know, he's getting blocks downfield, too, for his team. So he's a team player as well. He's yeah. definitely one of the best players in the NFL. And, and you know, when, when the Bills and the Chiefs hook it up again, whether it's in the regular season or in the playoffs, it's going to be something to see. Yeah. And, and it's funny. It's funny that you see the world of difference going into that draft of where Tyler's head was at as far as like who's going to be the best quarterback out of the draft versus where my fucking head was at. <laughs> who's going to be the best quarterback out of that draft? Because from Tyler selecting Josh Allen to me selecting fucking Josh Rosen is yep. probably one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. And yep. it made me look like a complete and fucking total ass. <laughs> I laugh at it every time. Josh, Josh Rosen wound up being our least valuable player, I think, the last two seasons since he's been around. Yep. So, and like, he still gets work somehow. I don't get it. I don't fucking get it at this point. But, man, what a, what a mess uh, that one turned out to be. Uh, number six, Amon Ross St. Brown, nine receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns. He had a great game. He is the number one receiver in Detroit. I don't care if Jamison Williams comes back. I think Jamison Williams is wide receiver two. Um, it might be a 1A, 1B situation, but at the end of the day, I still think that St. Brown's 1A, don't you? 100%. You know, the kid's a stud. You know, he proved it. You know, last year near the end of the stretch, and now this stretch, he's he's really a go-to guy in the wide receiver core. Yeah, the the Lions are putting this together this this magnificent offense, and I can't get over how good this offense is. They're going to go into next year's draft. They're going to go out and pick up a lot of players on defense to start picking up that defense, and in the off season, and they got a lot of cap space to do it. The Lions are fucking dangerous these next couple of years here, these next five six years. And I'm going, oh, no, that yeah. GM over there is putting together a team, baby. And, and MCDC is the coach we needed. You know, he's yeah. he's a he's a he is so far above Matt Patricia's league. It's not even funny. 
You know, well, Matt Patricia was just a bum from the moment he get, the moment he got in. We got smoked by the Jets in the third quarter on on opening night on Monday Night Football on national television. So, and then you know, obviously, nothing like that has happened since. Uh, I mean, we went, we had the, the trashy season the first year. I'm not. We only had one win, uh, but you know, now it's like now we've got that team put together. You know, now now it looks like we're we're making positive strides. We're not quite world beaters just yet, and I still maintain that we're probably going to win five, six, seven games at best because we have some tough opponents, especially the Bills on Thanksgiving. That's going to be a nightmare, but we're in the, we're we're trending in the right direction. I agree. I think you guys are trending in the right direction. I think uh, you know Tyler and I sit on the show. You've been really big on him. I've really been big on Dan Campbell since he got hired on. The way he, the way that he has handled himself, the way he's carried himself in front of the media, the way he's handled things as far as uh, team losses, the responsibility he takes on—it's something really special. And and Dan Campbell is has become like like I'm not even a Lions fan, and I like this guy. You yeah. know, that's that's one thing. Like I fucking hate the Lions. Yep. Like, God, I like Dan Campbell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's he's just such a likable fucking guy. Like, I want a coach like that. Every team should strive to want a coach like that. That's going to be, um, you know, so uh, uh, in tune with his team, and that is going to care about his team the way that that does. I saw that man cry at a podium, you know, and and you see him shed tears at a podium over a loss. And he was so goddamn embarrassed and upset and irritated. And you're like, man, that's the kind of guy you want. Dan Campbell is somebody that that I just stand behind. I really do believe the Lions are putting together a great offense and a great team over there. And he looks like Jeff Bridges. I mean, come on, dude. He literally <laughs> looks like a dude. Yeah, he, he does. How, he looks how Jeff can you Bridges. not like that guy? He just looks more built. You know, that's all. It's, so, but... Uh, Dan Campbell and company getting Amon Ross St. Brown was a steal. I think they've got themselves their number one receiver over there. It's it's a wonderful thing. Uh, number five goes to Jalen Waddle. Uh, left receptions, one seventy one, two touchdowns. It's amazing that Jalen Waddle is is uh, number five on this list. Yeah, uh, and he had himself such a great game alongside Tyreek Hill. Tua was really getting him the ball effectively. Uh, I mean, good on him, man. Uh, Jalen Waddle. I mean, I I never expected him to be as effective. I thought he was going to be the third most effective receiver out of that draft. Uh, a lot of people felt the same way, you know, when it came to Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle and those guys. Here we are, <laughs> Jalen Waddle looking like a stud, uh, and it it really looks like the combination of him and Tyreek Hill together is helping Tua, but it's also helping they're helping each other because they're staving off. Um, uh, different coverages, and they're causing uh, a lot of focus to kind of to come from those defensive backs on them. It, it's really a, a pretty interesting thing to see. Jalen Waddle at number five. What do you think of him? Absolute stud. You know, um, he's def he's definitely uh, proven his metal over these last two years. You know, he was drafted last year, and he's he's definitely uh, a number one, number two receiver behind Tyreek Hill. I almost stuttered there. Well, it's, it's amazing. I, I don't even think he's a number two. I think it's like a one A one B type situation I, here. I, I agree with that. You know, absolutely. You know, Tyreek Hill is the bigger star, but J Jalen Waddle's carving his own path as we speak. So, uh, 
to see him on this list. I mean, you know, just just just, just wants me to know, like, who are who are the other four <laughs> that did right. better than him? Yeah, and and that's that's the the amazing thing, especially after that type of game. Number four is a guy we're all very familiar with, Stefan Diggs. Twelve yep. receptions, one forty-eight. He had three touchdowns on the day. The yardage wasn't as high, but man, the fact that he got in that end zone three times, I thought it was one of those situations where uh, he was a little bit higher than Waddle. But, you know, one thing I want to point out is that if Waddle either A, scored a touchdown, or B, put up maybe about 10, 20 more yards, we're having a different conversation. Diggs is probably sitting at five. But, uh, you know, Diggs winds up at number four for the week. And and I'm, you know, I like Stefan Diggs. I, I I hated the way he left Minnesota. I don't like his attitude. I think he's kind of a dick. But as a player, Stefan Diggs is a great player. And Josh Allen really got him uh, the football. Was Gabe Davis was off the field, so Stefan Diggs really stepped up in a big way. Kind of the same way we saw last year with Diggs getting all those catches. I mean, the last two years, now moving into year three for Diggs in Buffalo, have been really beneficial to him. He's getting all these catches. He's getting all of these this yardage, all this love, all this focus from Josh Allen. It's mm-hmm. paying off him being in Buffalo. I think he's in a contract year this year, or maybe it's next year, but they need to get him back under, back under contract and pay the fucking man because he still is one of the best receivers in football. He proved it by going to a completely different team and showing up and showing out. So Steph Diggs winds up as number four. What do you think, old uh, Mr. Diggs there? Yep, he's he's definitely the stud over there in Buffalo as far as the receiving course is concerned. You know, and I th- and Josh Allen is leading that charge. You know, he's he's you know he's definitely helping with that. You know, so let's we'll, we want to hope we want to continue to see uh, you know success from him. We definitely want to continue to see uh getting those numbers from him and who else uh could possibly you know step up in that bill's uh offense you know to make it even more potent than it already is right you know it's it's a uh, an interesting thing um seeing you know uh the bills and and just how loaded they are with weapons right now gabe davis has has been that kind of guy that that is uh, uh really stepped up and and then you know I, they need a running back is, is what they've always needed. I, I stand by that. I thought James Cook was going to be the, be the guy so far. Not so much. But they do need a stud running back over there. And and I thought that, that Kenneth Walker was going to be the guy that they were going to be staring down. I would have been staring him down. That would have been like the stud pickup. Instead, they decided to stick with Devin Singletary. I mean, if that's what they want to do, I mean, put on them. That's their thing. But at the end of the day, Hey, um, I still do think they need a running back, but Josh Allen, you're right, is leading that charge. Uh, Steph Diggs, man, he's he's something else, and and he's shown he's something else. He's shown he was something special in Minnesota, and he just had a bad quarterback, and he had a uh, a staff that didn't believe in him, and in, in the Mike Zimmer, you know, group there. Um, I, I just I hate that we let him go, but I think he's in a better position now than he's been for a long, long time. And I think Steph Diggs wins a Super Bowl over there with the Bills. Um, I really do think the Buffalo yeah. Bills are going to wind up winning the Super Bowl this year. It's really looking that way. Mm-hmm. So um, number three goes to Tyreek Hill. 11 receptions, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Remember how I said that Jalen Waddle gets about 20 more yards and we're having this conversation? Yeah, yep. Tyreek Hill winds up as number three. 192 touchdowns. He shows that 
From a technical standpoint, he's, I guess, 1A. But he still had himself a hell of a game. That is a dual threat. I mean, I hate the idea of running into that team this year. And I believe that both your team and my team runs into the Miami Dolphins this year. Scary, mm-hmm. scary, scary. Yep, it's it's going to be an uphill battle with that with that team. With Tua and those two weapons, watch out. Yeah, that's that's going to be troubling. Uh, number two goes to, and this is this is Tyler's excitement right here. Lamar Jackson, twenty-one for twenty-nine, three eighteen. He had three touchdowns on the day. He also had nine carries for one nineteen and a rushing touchdown. So four touchdowns based on Lamar. Over four hundred yards of offense based around Lamar. This is what you want to see from a quarterback that is looking for a big time contract. He has been denying contracts left and right. The Ravens have been, uh, and whether or not, I, I get it. Tyler is a, a very Ravens guy. He is going to root for the team. He's going to root for the organization. He wants those guys to get the, the big time dough. He wants those guys to, to get away with murder here because that's the organization. But at the end of the day, the Ravens organizations have been lowballing this guy. They have been lowballing him left and right. Lamar wants that, you know, if if Aaron Rodgers is getting paid $50 million, Lamar Jackson wants $50 million in one penny. That's what he wants. And and the Ravens lowballed him. He showed why in this game against a very good Dolphins team, a very good Dolphins defense. Um and he gets he he almost got it done. He was up heavy, and and the the Ravens defense kind of left it all out in the field in the fourth quarter. Uh, first of all, Lamar, do you think he's he's in that MVP discussion? Second of all, when it comes to Lamar, are we talking about Lamar Jackson contract getting fifty million dollars? Um, yes, to both questions. Um, I do believe that he is in discussion for MVP, even though. Uh, the rest of his team, especially the defense, needs a little work. But Lamar is still Lamar, and yeah. and, the, and the numbers are proving it, and the performance is proving it. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a losing effort against the Miami Dolphins, you know, put up a put up a stat stat effort like that. Miami simply outplayed Baltimore at, at the last minute, like they you know as you would expect them to. Like they need it. You need a team to get up and just. You know, swing the hammer and just go for the fences with uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and Jalen Waddle came up with a game-winning touchdown. That's just what happened. But should be so. Should Ravens fans be pressing the panic button? Uh, well, since the AFC is stacked, uh, you might want to hover your hand over it. But with Lamar Jackson at the home, uh, you shouldn't be worried just yet. Just yet, yeah. I think they're they're playoff bound. I think they've they've got a lot of a lot of tread left on the tires. We got to see if Lamar can stay healthy. That's been a big problem for the last two seasons is health, and we got to see if Lamar is going to remain healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, number one goes to, and this one was a no-brainer to me. Tua Tungavailoa winds up as number one on on the top ten this week. Thirty-six for fifty, four hundred and sixty-nine yards, six touchdowns on the yeah. day, two interceptions. In spite of the two picks, he winds up as number one on this list with six touchdowns. I don't know if you can you can hold a candle to that at that point right i don't think so not six touchdowns uh and he definitely was instrumental in that uh upset victory over baltimore so and it's you know you have the weapons but you got to have the gun to fire them and uh two was the gun you know he's definitely showed us this week that he is a very viable quarterback in this league and he's making us eat crow uh you know you know slathered with three-day-old ketchup 
but uh, we'll see if that con- if that trend continues uh, in week three. Right. Um, and now that is our uh, top ten for the week, and uh, now we're going to jump into the forgetful five. We we have um, some awful performances, and speaking of the Baltimore Ravens, uh, we're going to talk about them real quick. 550 yards of total offense were given up, 42 points given up. Um, you know, they blew a huge lead. They gave up 361 through the air to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle combined. Um, just a really, really bad performance by the Ravens defense. Yeah. Uh, to say the yeah. least. So, that is, that's very surprising given their usual good track record for uh a defense. So the fact is, though they do need some work, they are not the Ravens' defense of old. Let me tell you that right now. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, number four goes to Kirk Cousins. Um, look, I, I have hammered on the Kirk Cousins train enough. I'm going to tell you this: I, I, it was one week against a very tough Eagles defense. Um, I, I am going to give him the the pass for the week you know, just be based on who they took on and based on the fact that it is a new offense. But I'm going to tell you what, if he doesn't come out firing against the Detroit Lions this week, uh, you're going to hear a rant of epic proportions that we've heard in the past. It is not going to be pretty. It is going to be very ugly and it's not going to be fun. Kirk Cousins goes 27 for 46, 221. He had a touchdown, three interceptions on the day. Uh, Kirk winds up as number four. Um, if I'm the Vikings, which I am a Vikings fan, I am already pressing the panic button after what I saw on uh, Monday Night Football. It was not impressive. It was not special. Uh, Kirk Cousins needs to figure it the fuck out. <laughs> That's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Number three goes to Derrick Henry. 13 carries, 25 yards, and a touchdown. Derrick Henry had one of the worst games I've ever seen Derrick Henry have. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Just ugly. Uh I can't get over the fact that he had 13 carries. He had a 1.8 average on the day. It was just disgusting, and that's for Derrick Henry. And I understand you're taking on the Bills' defense, but Derrick Henry for the last two weeks has been horrible. 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 I can't I can't stress how bad he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, he had 82 yards last week, which whoop de doo but I expected more against the New York Giants team, and, and I really feel like the Titans have kind of made their team one-dimensional. Uh, with the the loss of A.J. Brown, yep. Derrick Henry needs to figure it the fuck out or the Titans brass needs to figure it the fuck out and get him running the football effectively. This is a mess. The fact that this team is 0-2 is a mess. Um, Derrick Henry winds up as number three on this list. Uh, number two goes to Ryan Tannehill, Mr. Not a uh, an Elite Quarterback. Uh, 11 for 20, 117, two interceptions on the day. He is... Um, just a fucking mess. They put Malik Willis out there. He didn't do much better. Titans are in trouble right now. Ryan Tannehill's a game manager. If they get down early, it's not good for the Titans. They need to have Derrick Henry running the football and churning them legs. They got down early against the Bills, and it was they entered Never Never Land. Um, it was it was a mess. So they need to find themselves a either a some sort of situation where they can get up early and get Derrick Henry rolling, or they need to find a situation where, where, you know, Ryan Tannehill or a quarterback that can, you know, effectively throw the football accurately. Ryan Tannehill did not throw the, the football accurately. He was not good in the situation. Um, 11 for 20 is just disgusting. 
He's not a playoff-ready quarterback. He is not an elite quarterback. He is not a guy that should be manning a football team right now. I think this was a messy, messy game for him, regardless of the fact that it was the Bills. It was the Bills without Tredavious White. And and he should have been able to, to handle this a little more effectively than he did. Ryan Tannehill as number two. But number one, mm-hmm. it's Matt Ryan. Yeah. Team for 30, 195, three interceptions on the day. Alex, Matt Ryan's cooked as far as. Yeah. Stick a fork in him. I think this might be his last year in the league. Uh, trade in the pads for a suit. Uh, you know, I believe that he's in his 40s right now. Uh, and he really, any quarterback in his 40s, not named Tom Brady, uh, should, or, um, or uh, Drew Brees, or you know, some some of these other guys that have come down the pike. I mean, you know, at one point Matt Ryan was considered to be in that conversation, but as you know, one of the elite quarterbacks, but he has definitely uh, dropped off the face of the earth, especially with this uh, performance. So yeah, um, we could be looking at uh, Matt Ryan set behind an ESPN desk pretty soon. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where we're headed. Last three seasons, he has not been good. Um, just a, a questionable situation over there. I, I'm I'm questioning the Colts as to why they got rid of Carson Wentz. Aren't you? Yeah. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz definitely wasn't like some world-beating team, uh, world-beating quarterback. I mean, he got injured a lot. You yeah. know, that, that was his downfall. He got injured a lot. But the fact of the matter is, we've always said this, if he stays healthy – and he, so far he has, you know, he has the potential to have a breakout season and a great season. And, you know, the Colts really could have used a quarterback like Carson Wentz, a, a veteran, you know, he's not necessarily a veteran, a veteran like Matt Ryan, but here's the deal. He's playing better. Yeah, so, I think, you know, I'm, I think we're kind of talking about, you know, when it comes to Carson Wentz, I, I, I don't think it was a, necessarily a scheme fit for the Colts. And he wasn't. He wasn't a scheme fit for the Colts because it was a run first offense. Um, he hasn't been a scheme fit for the Colts, but when it comes to Carson Wentz, you know, if you utilize him in the proper fashion, Carson Wentz can be effective. And that's what we're seeing with the Washington, uh, commanders here is that the commanders are out here putting three wide, letting him throw the ball. And he's been accurate. He's been effective. He's got three good receivers out there and, and whether or not the Colts have that, um, uh, ability, they, whether or not, you know, they, I don't think they have the personnel you know, to, to do all that. But the reality is, is that Carson Wentz is an effective quarterback. He's a good quarterback. It's not like he's a bad quarterback. I'm not going to say he's a bad quarterback. No, he's a good quarterback. Um, I'm not going to say he's an elite quarterback because he's not an elite quarterback under any circumstances, no. uh, but he's, he's a decent he's, quarterback. It's a good fill in. I think that, that Carson Wentz can start in this league. I, I, to be honest, I think a great assessment of Carson Wentz would be, he's like, He's becoming the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the league. Okay. You know that he's going to be able to start for your football team as long as he stays healthy, and he's not going to be a dumpster fire. No, he's not. Well, if he doesn't get hurt, you know, that's the – you got to stay healthy, buddy. Yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing is, is, uh, you know, it's it's, he's not going to be a dumpster fire, but he's not going to be a world beater either. So that's kind of what we're seeing out of out of a Carson Wentz situation. But Matt Ryan heads up the um, the forgetful five. Now we well, let's talk about the rookies real quick before we jump into break. We got our rookie rankings for for this week. 
Um, on the outside looking in, I got Boye Mafe. Well, we'll start with the bottom. The bottom one is Martin Emerson, the cornerback out of Cleveland. He had to step in this week. Uh, he looked damn good this week. Uh, very good week for him. Number two comes to Samuel Womack. He stepped in also as a kind of a relief guy. Looked damn good out of the slot. And number one goes to Boye Mafe, the edge rusher out of Seattle. All three of those guys are on the outside looking in. Um, but, man, all three of them looking damn good. Uh, number 10 right now goes to a guy that really sunk far in the, the top 10 here. He was number three last week. He's number 10 this week. Ed Ingram, the offensive guard out of Minnesota, uh, 67.8 PFF grade. He had an 80.3 run blocking grade. He had a 47 pass, bl pass blocking grade. His grades sunk humongously. His overall did um, at 80 overall grade that he had last week, not so much this week. Uh, 67.8 kind of came back down to earth. I love his run blocking. I think it's great, but he needs to figure out the pass blocking. And it, technically, his pass blocking grade improved this past week by about 13 points. I think he was at a 34 last week. Now he's at a 47.8. Needs to figure out the pass blocking. I like Ed Ingram. I do think he can be the starting offensive guard for the Minnesota Vikings. But we're in a situation where he's got to learn how to pass block. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, yeah. Number two, no, I'm sorry. Number nine goes to Traylon Burks. Uh, 80.9 PFF grade the over the course of the last two weeks, a 79-point receiving grade. He's lower on the list here in spite of those high grades because he has had a lower snap count. His snap count has been uh, 23, 28 type of snaps. He hasn't been playing every snap. Uh, he hasn't been running as many routes. I think he kind of put himself in the doghouse in the offseason with his whole cardiovascular issue and the heat, not being able to handle the heat out in Tennessee. Um, I think Burks can be a good receiver. I think he was picked a little early by Tennessee. You know, he's just got to get that cardiovascular shape up, and he's got to get that snap count up so that he can actually be an effective receiver, the caliber of an A.J. Brown. Am I right? Yep. I would uh, definitely needs a little more work before he can get up to that next level, but uh, he has all season to do it, you know, and hopefully his numbers will continue to rise. Right. His snap count will continue to rise too, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, number eight, Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle out of Dallas. Uh, he Right now he currently has a 69.6 .6 PFF grade, a 74.2 run blocking grade, 65.6 .6 pass blocking grade. I want to point out he only allowed one pressure on 36 pass blocking snaps in week two. Um, he's filling in beautifully for uh, Tyron Smith and Jason Peters both being out. <clears throat> he's been an awesome offensive tackle for, for the Dallas Cowboys in these last couple of weeks. Um, and I want to see if this kid's going to continue to improve as a rookie. He's been uh, something kind of special for Dallas over there. Yep. Just one more reason why uh, Cooper Rush was able to be so effective with the ball. Uh, just one more reason why the Dallas Cowboys outplayed the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, it's, it'll it'll be exciting to see where this rookie uh, continues to uh, to improve. But I'll tell you what, you know, definitely a, a, a potent part of that team. Sure. Uh, number seven goes to Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Jacksonville. He had a 69 PFF grade, 86.3 in run defense, 69.6 pass rushing. He had an interception, two pass breakups in week two. He only allowed 18 receiving yards on five targets. Um, Devin Lloyd is a guy that got picked up in the draft in the first round. We were really excited about him. We didn't know uh, what he was going to do. We thought he was probably one of the better linebackers to come out of that draft. 
And sure enough, he is starting to find his rhythm with Jacksonville. He's not exactly in a good spot with Jacksonville, let's be clear. But Evan Lloyd coming out firing here as, as a nice linebacker. He's a nice piece for Jacksonville that lost a lot of defensive pieces this offseason or in the last couple of years, rather. Um, Devin Lloyd, I, I think he's a good pickup for them, and he's turned out to be pretty good so far. He ranks number seven on our list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a solid placement for him, and let, let's see where he goes from there. Yep. Uh, number six goes to the corner out of Kansas City, Trent McDuffie. I was really big on Trent McDuffie. I wanted the Vikings to pick him up. I liked him a lot out of Washington there. Um, but playing for Kansas City right now, 69.8 PFF grade. He had a 69.9 coverage grade. McDuffie's been rock solid um, He for the last couple of weeks. He's wound up in the top 15 as far as rookie rankings go across the board for pro football focus. For um, Statistically, Trent McDuffie has been very good. Last week he was on the outside looking in. This week he winds up at number six on our list. Um, he's maintaining a really, really solid starting role with Kansas City. I like what he's doing over there. He's a shutdown kind of guy, good man coverage. I like Trent McDuffie. I think he he should have been a pickup for the Vikings here, don't you? Yeah, uh, he definitely would have been able to help you guys out a little bit against uh, Philadelphia last this past week. But uh, good to good to see that he's doing well in Kansas City. You know, another uh, piece of the winning formula they got going on over there. Uh, don't be surprised to see that uh, Kansas City defense uh, climbing up the ranks and possibly. You know, we're gonna probably we are most likely going to see Kansas City in the playoffs, if not yeah. the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the AFC title game between uh, the I'm calling it the, the the Chiefs and the Bills should happen. It should be a rematch from last year, and I think uh, while Josh Allen may, may be the one to unseat uh, the modern day goat, uh, you know, uh, let's let's see if Trent McDuffie can make a difference out there. For sure. Uh, number five goes to Bernard Raymond, the offensive tackle out of Indianapolis. He was a lower draft pick in the first round this past year, but let me point this out. 73.2 PFF grade overall. He had an 82.2 pass blocking grade. Um, huge, huge numbers for an offensive tackle. He looked damn good. Uh, Bernard Raymond was on the outside looking in. Actually, he was about number 20 last week. Pops up to number five. He has really administered uh, um Consistent numbers uh, for the last two weeks. He's showing up like he's going to be like a premier offensive tackle for these guys. They lost um, uh, Anthony Costanzo a, a while back, and they needed an offensive tackle. They wound up getting Bernard Raymond. I think he's rock solid. They kind of get a steal here late in the draft. I, I like this pick, oh, don't you? Yeah. I mean, uh, granted, you know, they got skunked by the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, but, you know, based on the PFF grades that you've mentioned, especially the big pass blocking one, you know, let's see, you know, he, you know, continue to hold on to him and see what he uh, is able to do and help the Colts bounce back a little bit. Definitely. Uh, number four goes to the linebacker out of Green Bay, Quay Walker. Um, 72 PFF grade, 73.8 in coverage. You know, they're using Quay Walker in kind of a different situation than they were with Zadarius Smith. They let Zadarius Smith go out the door. They started using Preston Smith as the more of the, the blitzing linebacker, and they've been putting Quay Walker as more of the coverage linebacker, so which is kind of a different thing because Preston Smith has notoriously been the, the coverage linebacker for them. 
But Quay Walker, I, I don't know. I'm kind of iffy on, on the way they're using him, but I'm okay with, with the fact that he has been so good in coverage. I want to see if Quay Walker is able to blitz the quarterback, though. That's what I want to see out of him. Um, his his uh, pass rushing grade, quite literally because he doesn't blitz the quarterback, has been non-existent. It's, it's literally just a dash on pro football focus. So he has not blitzed the quarterback at all, which makes me kind of go, what's happening? Um, that's why uh, Green Bay's defense is not as touted as it could be. Yep. Uh, you know, reason, you know, I, I guess, you know, Justin's team had only like five points on defense for his uh, fantasy. And maybe that what that could be what gets Green Bay over the hump. And I told you, it's a little early to determine whether the Lions are going to be winning the NFC North. I still am kind of leaning towards the Packers because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, obviously. But if Quay Walker can, uh, storm, you know, storm through and sack the quarterback, you know, and, and, and prove that he can do that, you know, then we're talking, we're having a different conversation about this team. Right. Uh, number three, speaking of your lions, a guy you're going to be really happy about. He caught my eye in the game when I was watching, uh, watching him, Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker out of Detroit, 76.7 PFF grade. He had a 75.2 run defense grade. He has a 82.3 pass rushing grade. As it currently stands, Malcolm Rodriguez is the 10th-ranked tenth linebacker in the entire NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. This guy, I saw him blasting off the edge um, and just beating the brakes off of Carson Wentz this past week. You have an edge rusher in Malcolm Rodriguez that is out of nowhere. This guy is, is just shown up and just kicking the shit out of people. Between him and Aiden Hutchinson, you have this great one-two punch there. Um, over there in Detroit. And a lot of teams, I think, are focusing in on Aiden Hutchinson, and it's turning Rodriguez loose. Uh, he has turned into a really solid linebacker so far for you guys in the first two games. I want to see if, what he's going to wind up doing in week three. Uh, I want to see if my Vikings can slow him down at all, but you guys have a really nice one-two punch off the edges there. Absolutely. I mean, Aiden, you know, Hutchinson you know, grabbed his leg or had some sort of issue with his leg when he walked off the field. So, but it's good to know that we have this rookie uh, that's just as effective, if not, you know, just as effective as Aiden Hutchinson. So you got two really good rookies, you know, yeah. at, at the linebacker position. Yeah, two really good, two really good rookies. You got one that's that's playing the outside linebacker. I mean, then you got Aiden Hutchinson, who is the, your number, the number two overall pick, playing your defensive end spot, right off those edges, man. It's it's going to be exciting. I think Rodriguez is going to be something special for you guys moving forward. Uh, number two goes to Garrett Wilson out of the New York Jets, uh, 77.8 PFF grade. He had a coming out party type of performance this past week. We talked about it earlier. Uh, Garrett Wilson winds up at number two. I think he's a stud. I think he's a wide receiver one over there with the Jets. Forget Elijah Moore. Let's start talking about Garrett Wilson over there. Absolutely. You know, as much as I hate to admit that he's a Buckeye, but you know, he's definitely, he's definitely proving his medal over there. You know, put him in the first slot. Oh yeah, no doubt. And number one for the second week in a row, Drake London out of Atlanta. He had an 80 PFF grade. He's got to be the new go-to guy in Atlanta. He scored a touchdown, his first score in the NFL this past week. Rock-solid performance by Drake London. Love what he's doing over there. He winds up as number one once again, second week in a row in our rookie rankings. But, man, Garrett Wilson is kind of nipping at his heels there. Uh, London, man, he, when he needed to step up, he stepped up. He's Marcus Mariota's new favorite target. I think Drake London, you know, we talked about him earlier. I think he is the guy. Um, I think he's going to wind up being the guy 
they're going to utilize him really well. And if he keeps developing the way that he's developing and growing, uh, especially in a rookie season like this, we're going to see a whole different uh, animal here out of, out of Drake London. Absolutely. And the Atlanta Falcons, you know, give, give them a couple, give them a couple decent draft picks this coming year and they may starting, they may start to return to their old form. Oh, for sure. So those are our rookie rankings, our, uh, our weekly top 10 performances. Obviously we use those to, to set up our MVP and LVP and all that good stuff. And I've got all those, those items kind of laid out in a whole different situation here. But, uh, Alex, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. Um, and then we're going to jump in. There's not a ton of news around the league. We've got some, a lot of injury stuff going on, but we're going to go through that stuff. We're going to go through our weekly picks and, uh, we're going to get cruising on out of here, but, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And then we'll be right here, right here on the outside blitz. At it's your time massage. You get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's your time massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. Uh, once again, I'm your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, here with the Cannonball, Alex Steele. Alex, we got our uh, uh, scores, we got the rookie rankings, we got our MVP situations, we've got our LVP situations, and now we're going to be burning through the news around the league. Not a ton, a lot of injuries and stuff like that, but we're going to jump on it. Um, and I want to jump on with, with basically what is the elephant in the room for this week is... Uh, Mike Evans, we got to talk about it a little bit. Mike Evans goes and gets suspended for one game. He will not be playing for the Bucs this week after the fight with Marshawn Lattimore in Sunday's game. Both players got ejected. Evans got suspended for a game for his involvement. He goes out and, and um, you know, uh, he appeals the decision. It gets denied. And so now Mike Evans is going to be out for a game. I am I the only one that really thinks that Marshawn Lattimore should be suspended here for throwing a punch at Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, if he's the guy throwing punches and connecting with them, right? Toss him out. I mean, yeah, it just seems silly to me. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're going to suspend one guy for a fight that broke out, but we're we're not going to suspend the other. And and we know that Lattimore and and Evans have both have had situations where they're they're, um, you know, they've been in each other's faces, and I think they've both had a fight on the field in the past. I know the NFL is trying to make an example of the situation. There's got to be a degree of fairness there. Um, I, I Marshawn Lattimore threw a punch at Leonard Fournette. No matter how you slice it, and Evans came up and shoved him and, and whatever else. And I'm not saying that, that Evans doing what he did was acceptable. 
Right. But what I am going to say is that neither was what Marshawn Lattimore did. Yeah, yeah, Marshawn Lattimore should be suspended here. I mean, it's, it's it just doesn't doesn't take away from what Lattimore did. Nope. So Marshawn Lattimore gets away with one, but Mike Evans gets suspended. Now the Bucks are already kind of old mother Hubbard with nothing in the cupboard as far as the the wide receiver ranks go. Uh, wide receiver Chris Godwin, he's got a knee injury. And also defensive end Akeem Hicks has a foot injury. They're both listed as out versus the Packers this upcoming week. So they, they lose two key players. But then on top of it, Bucks running back Leonard Fournette, he's listed as questionable with a hamstring injury. Wide receiver Russell Gage, he's listed uh, questionable with a hamstring injury. Uh, wide receiver Julio Jones, he's questionable with a knee injury. Wide receiver Brashad Pyramid, he's listed with a, a knee injury. Is questionable. Thick ward over there, man. Yeah, they're they're all injured, and the Bucks in in their desperation have gone out and signed wide receiver Cole Beasley to the practice squad. They're likely elevating him to the main roster after the Evans suspension. I mean, and and all the receiver injuries and whatnot. They are Brady is without skill position players right now. It's looking ugly for the Bucks right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's looking pretty. It's looking pretty bleak. I mean, Cole Beasley will be a band aid for sure, but and you know they'll get Mike Evans back after a week. But uh, who are they playing this next week? They're playing the Packers this week. Yeah, I am not sure that that's good. All Aaron Rodgers is probably going to get away with one here. Yeah, it might. It might turn out. It might turn out that way. That Bucks defense is still very good, but Tom Brady has got to find a way to win these football games. I do think Keyshawn Vaughn is a very good running back that people are somewhat sleeping on. He's a he's a, a, a backup that that really has shown up and showed out every time he's popped into the games. So you know the Bucks are kind of in dire straits right now as far as their wide receivers go. We're going to see what they they pop up with. Um, you know, in this game and, and to get themselves to the promised land. Uh, speaking of their opponents, the Packers also are having a little bit of injury woes. Uh, wide receiver Sammy Watkins, he's out with a hamstring injury versus the Bucks. He will not be in that game. He's Ooh. technically supposed to be, I think, their number one or number two receiver. I mean, he's been their number one for the last two games with Alan Lazard uh, being hurt and whatnot. Um, and also the Packers are going to be without wide receiver Christian Watson. He has a hamstring injury. Injury, wide receiver Randall Cobb, he's got an illness going on. Um, Mercedes Lewis has a groin injury. David Bakhtiari has a knee injury. All those guys are listed as questionable. We've been waiting for Bakhtiari to come back into games for forever. But the telltale sign to me that someone is going to be out in this game, one of those receivers, is the fact that they went out and signed wide receiver Travis Fulgham, who you remember uh, blew up for the Philadelphia Eagles a couple of years ago out of nowhere, had himself a few good games. Um, so Travis Fulgham winds up on the, the Packers, uh, practice squad, strange situations, a lot of skills, skill set positions getting injured. Do you think Aaron Rodgers can pull another rabbit out of the hat here the way he did in Chicago? I believe so. Yes. Uh, simply because, uh, he's Aaron Rodgers, but then again, Tom Brady's the goat. Right. So you, you, you see the, the focus of the game is going to be on the two big stars, obviously in prime time. Uh, but you know, that to have so many, uh, secondary players gone, you know, it's going to, it may turn into a dead zebra. Now that you mention it, you know, I, I was waiting on the green Bay injuries. It may turn into a dead zebra getting gummed to death by a toothless lion situation. Who knows? Yeah. That's kind of what we're Randall looking. Cobb is a huge blow to the Packers offense. 
yeah, especially right now, he's he's a guy that understands that offense so well and understands Aaron Rodgers so well. So I, I think when they added him, it was kind of a huge boon for them. But but man, we're going to be they kept talking about oh Aaron Rodgers needs to trust his receivers, and I'm like they were just well they were giving him the two handed gawk gawk treatment pretty much all we all night last. So you know he's always has. So you know trust, but there is a degree of truth with that. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they hook it up on Sunday night. Oh, absolutely. Um, elsewhere around the NFC, the 49ers tight end George Kittle is set to make his uh, regular season debut versus the Broncos this upcoming week. On the other side of him, though, tight end Tyler Croft is listed out versus the Broncos. So they're just changing roles here. Uh, Croft filled in very beautifully for Kittle uh, this past week and, and these last couple of weeks. Also with the 49ers, defensive end Eric Armstead. He is listed as questionable with a foot injury. Um, and obviously we know what happened with Trey Lance. He fractured his ankle on Sunday. He's out for the season after undergoing a surgery to repair it. Jimmy Garoppolo will be getting the starts moving forward. I think that is the right move for the 49ers anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and he'll be starting against the Broncos this upcoming week. The Niners, you know, getting George Kittle back, huge boon. Getting Jimmy G back out there I think is a big thing for them. And I think George Kittle and Jimmy G both have a really great connection I, I like the 49ers' chances now moving forward of being a challenging team. Yeah, I agree with that, especially with having a, a secondary weapon like Kittle back in the offense. You know, he's a better he's a he's a better tight end uh, than some others in the league. Uh, you know, and then of course you know, you got you have Jimmy G, you have Debo Samuel, you have all your your traditional weapons. So uh, Broncos are probably going to have a tough go of it. In uh, are they playing at Mile High or are they playing in San Francisco? I believe they're playing in San Francisco. Yeah, the, the uh, Broncos are going to have a rough go of it, especially on the road. Um, I can I can double check that right now. Actually, no, I take that back. They are playing in Mile High. Um, okay. That's, it's still gonna be it's still gonna be a good game. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head who I picked without looking at my picks, but uh, but I think it's gonna be a close game. Yeah. Uh, also for the Broncos in that same game, wide receiver Jerry Judy with a knee and a hip injury, offensive lineman Billy Turner with a knee injury, and corner Patrick Sertain with a shoulder injury are all listed as questionable versus the 49ers. The one that really stands out to me is Billy Turner here because as an offensive lineman, he's supposed to be a starting offensive lineman for the Broncos. I just want to point out that pass rush by the 49ers is insane. Uh, They have such a good defensive line, a really great front seven. Um, Not having Billy Turner on the field is going to be tough for uh, the old Broncos there. Um, elsewhere around that, that NFC West division, we got the Rams and the Cardinals getting ready to take each other on the Rams wide receiver, Van Jefferson. He's listed as out versus the Cardinals with that knee injury that he suffered earlier this year. Defensive back Jordan Fuller also has a hamstring injury. He's listed as questionable versus the Cardinals. You know, I like Jordan Fuller a lot. I think he's a huge piece to a huge defensive back to that, uh, for that Rams defense, a huge piece for them. But the Cardinals also have wide receiver Rondale Moore listed as out versus uh, the Rams. And also a running back, James Conner, has an ankle injury. He's listed as questionable versus the Rams. You know, uh, if Rondale Moore is out, I think it, they're going to be A-OK starting the backups there. I think that the deep ball is going to be kind of taken away. Hollywood Brown, I still don't think, is the answer over there. 
unless the Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to be struggling to win football games. If they wind up in this six-game stretch that Hopkins is gone, winding going, wind up going two and four, I think they're going to be okay. That's about the level that they need to get to. This is one of those times where I don't think two and four, or I don't think that's going to happen. They're not going to get a win. I think this is going to be one and two uh, after week three here. Yeah, I, I I picked the Rams for this game. I do remember that. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and company will get it done. Uh, you know, and just like you said, you know, Marquise Brown is, uh, you know, his nickname is Butterfingers, not Hollywood. That's not, I mean, his secondary nickname is Butterfingers. Yeah, so I call him Butterfingers Brown. Yeah, Butterfingers Brown. So, you know, he def- let's see if he continues to have a case of the drop skis or not. But uh, I'm still giving the edge to the Rams. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, elsewhere in the NFC, the Minnesota Vikings, man, they are my boys. My Vikings are running into some trouble. Uh, rookie corner Andrew Booth Jr. still hurt. He's got a quad injury. And then Harrison Smith with a concussion. He's listed as out versus the Lions. And then even worse this morning, uh, Vikings linebacker Eric Kendricks with a toe injury. He's listed as questionable versus the Lions um, for this game. The Lions don't have much trouble moving forward. They've got Jonah Jackson, the offensive guard, with a finger injury. He's listed as out versus the Vikings. Um, That might be the only problem for the Lions really here because the Vikings pass rush and and, uh, Zadarius Smith with Daniil Hunter with the guys up front is very good. But uh, man, oh man, uh, the Vikings, it just gets worse and worse and worse for them after that Eagles loss. And now they're going into a very strong Detroit offense they're going to be facing off against. And they are going to be down some players. It's going to be a rough go for the Vikings, I think. What what say you? I say um, that as long as DeAndre Swift can get healthy, he's listed as questionable uh, with his ankle sprain. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is also listed as questionable. I pulled him off. I pulled him off my starter in the fantasy league, uh, and I put Hunter Henry back in. Um, I know I'm talking fantasy, but I'm one. You know, I may I may end up putting Hawkinson back in if he he can stay healthy. Uh, but DeAndre Swift is definitely. Uh, it, it's looking like he's going to play, and if you get him on the field, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, interesting to watch him and um, the other running back. Uh, Jamal Williams, I believe it is, uh, you know, has have been a really good one-two punch uh, for the run game. Yep. Yeah. For, for for my sake and my sanity, I'm really hoping they're not on the field. I'm hoping right. he's not on the field this upcoming Sunday. <laughs> yep, uh, it's good. we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of of sake and sanity, I'm sure Ty- I'm sure Tyler's sitting at home. His Ravens. Um, man, they've got some stuff going on. Uh, offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley, he's got an ankle injury. He's listed as doubtful versus the Patriots this upcoming week. Um, Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins with the knee injury. He's listed as questionable versus the Patriots, but he could make his 2022 debut this upcoming week. We're not sure. They weren't sure if he was going to start last week. He might start this week. We're going to find out. Um, the Ravens wide receiver James Prochet, he has a groin injury. Tight end Isaiah Likely, he also has a groin injury. Um, Marlon Humphrey, uh, the corner, he has a groin injury. Um, cornerback Marcus Peters, he has a knee injury. All those guys are listed as questionable versus the Patriots. If the Ravens can get Marcus Peters back on the field, that's been a big one. They mm-hmm. signed him a few years ago in a trade uh, with, with the uh, Saints, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, when they got Marcus Peters, I told Tyler it was a huge boon for that team. And here we are, the Ravens, you know, if 
if Marcus Peters isn't on the field and you don't have Mark, Marlon Humphrey on the field, this is troubling. And I think that really hurt them last week against the Dolphins. And here we are. <laughs> so um, on the yeah. other hand, the Ravens are also signing defensive end and slash outside linebacker Jason Pierre-Paul to a one-year $5.5 million deal, which I thought was a really great signing for them. Um, they're going to get a little bit more of that pass rush. It's all about that pass rush. And uh, they're going to get him back in. And they're also, you know, for Tyler's sake, I'm hoping that their corners are going to be back in the fold for the week. I mean, if you can't get at least one of those guys, Marcus Peters or Marlon Humphrey, back on the field, it's going to be a rough week for the old Ravens, I think. Yeah, I mean, their defense, uh, this could be the reason why the defense has not looked the way they have because they have so many guys on the shelf. Um, but. Again, you know, even with the, you know, it, we haven't seen that Ravens defense, that vaunted Ravens defense. And if the Patriots are coming to town, I mean, Billy Belichick's going to have something up his sleeve. Even though Mac Jones hasn't been the Mac Jones of last year, he still has enough of a squad put together to to win the football game. For sure. And after the performance we saw from Nelson Aguilar this past week, I think yep. that that's something that, to really look at. Uh, the Patriots... I see Jacoby Myers does have a knee injury. Uh, Raquan McMillan, the linebacker, he does have a thumb injury. And cornerback Jalen Mills has a hamstring injury. All those guys are listed as questionable versus the Ravens, but I believe Jacoby Myers is leaning toward playing. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a hell of a time for the Patriots uh, here. If, if all, both those star corners are out, you're going to see those Patriots throwing that ball all over the place this upcoming week. And like you said, Billy Belly doesn't play around. He's going to know, um, you know, hey, they have these corners out. We're going to chuck that ball all over the place. And if, if Mac Jones can get rolling, which we've seen in the past, then we're going to see an interesting situation unfolding with that Patriots versus Ravens game. Uh, next up, we got the uh, around that same division, the Patriots division there, that AFC uh, East. The Bills safety, Micah Hyde, he's looking for a second opinion after being ruled out due to a neck injury that was sustained on Monday Night Football versus the Titans. He's ruled out this week versus the Dolphins. <coughs> the Bills are going to be placing him on IR for the rest of the season, but he's still looking for that second opinion. Got to see what's going on there. But Mike, Micah Hyde is a huge loss for that Buffalo Bills team. He is a monstrous part of that squad. I can't believe how how devastating that hit is going to be at least i think it's going to be losing a player of that caliber um on that buffalo bills team what, what say you yeah i mean when i saw micah hyde go down even the announcer was quietly like oh that's micah hyde so i was like you know they were able to polish off the titans after that hit but i mean that, they were dead in the water to begin with so right. uh, and who are the bills playing this week uh the bills this week have the dolphins uh, it's going to be, uh, especially with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and Tua Tagovailoa uh, at, on the offense, you know, this might actually turn into a closer game than we think. But, I mean, I'm still giving the edge to the Bills. But uh, if Micah Hyde can't get back on the field, uh, then we're gonna ha there's going to be a problem in Buffalo. Yeah, I agree. And also the Bills have a couple other issues here. Both their defensive tackles, Jordan Phillips, with a hamstring injury, Ed Oliver with an ankle injury, both are out versus the Dolphins. So they're going to have some work to do uh, getting those those defensive tackles, especially Ed Oliver. He's such a, an impactful player for that Bills defense. Um, on the Dolphins side of things, left tackle Teron Armstead, he's out with a toe injury. 
I'm sorry, he has a toe injury. He's listed as questionable. Raquan Davis with a knee injury, the defensive tackle. He has he's listed as questionable with that knee injury. And this is the big one. Corner uh, Xavier Howard with a groin injury listed as questionable versus the Bills. If Xavier Howard is not on that field, the Dolphins are in trouble. But at the same time, <clears throat> we could see a shootout here between Miami and Buffalo um, going into this game with, with all these defensive players out. This one could wind up being kind of fun, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You know, especially since we saw the performance of the Dolphins these last two weeks and the Bills just rolling along like they always have, you know, we could have our highest scoring matchup of the regular season, or at least this week. Yeah, this this one could be fun. Um, as far as the, the, the Bills go, there's a team that they beat the brakes off of this past week. First and foremost, the Titans, man, they, they have Linebacker Bud Dupree, he's out for the matchup with the Raiders this upcoming week, which is a painful loss. Bud Dupree, he's been a little debatable as far as like how good, effective he's been, but realistically, I think Bud Dupree is something special. But the one to talk about is light, or I'm sorry, left tackle Taylor Luan. He's set to miss the remainder of the season due to a knee injury that was suffered this past week. The no Titans are just getting the hell beat out of him injury-wise, Point-wise, they are just not feeling it. They're not gelling. I don't know what the fuck is going on with the Tennessee Titans at this point. Somebody explain it to me. Well, uh, it's real simple. Uh, with Taylor Lawn out for the season and he's gone, uh, a lot of that defense is uh, gone too. Well, uh, well, a lot of the offense, you mean? Well, a lot of the offense, yeah. I mean, if Taylor Lawan, uh, one of your star offensive linemen, is gone for the season – uh, and he can't push people out of the way for Derrick Henry to get those down to get those downhill runs going. You know they're going to be running into trouble. You know, yeah. uh, so he's you know it's a humongous part of that team. Uh, well, it's it's. I would not be quick to say it's a dumpster fire, but it is definitely not uh, the Super Bowl or AFC title game contenders that we've seen uh, uh, in a, a, you know a couple of years ago. Yeah, Taylor Lewan is one of those players that that he is an all pro. We we know he's an all pro. He, he's a huge part of getting Derrick Henry rolling. The fact that he's not going to be out on the field is a problem. Um, Derrick Henry, they're going to have to find other ways to get Her Derrick Henry rolling. Right now, as it stands, Derrick Henry is getting beat out right now for the starting job, which is a mess. Um, it's a mess not only for the Titans, but it's a mess for me fantasy wise. God damn it! So Titans, you better get it together. But uh, the Titans right now, they're going to have their hands full. The Raiders also have a few problems on the offensive side of the football as well, though. A wide receiver, Hunter Renfro, he's listed as out with a concussion versus the Titans this week. And also running back Josh Jacobs fighting with an illness. He's listed as questionable versus the Titans this upcoming week. The Raiders do have their work cut out for them. Losing a, when they're losing a skills position player, but not only that, they're really going to have some some work to do if Josh Jacobs can't get back on the field. I want to see what they're going to do, uh, and I, I believe I, I they do have a a rookie uh, backup there as well. So I mean, I, it's going to be an interesting situation for the Raiders. Absolutely, uh, especially you know with with the concussion there. I mean, Hunter Renfro, you know, despite the fact that he lost the fumble that cost them the game against the Car the Cardinals, you know, still a major part of that team. Yeah. Know? So Derek Carr's got his work cut out for him. Definitely, I I really believe that that uh, they're gonna they're gonna have uh, a rough go if if neither of those players can get on the field. 
Um, also around that same division with the, the Raiders and whatnot, the Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay is suspended for four games for violating the league's personal conduct policy after an off-field incident between Gay and the mother of his child uh, resulted in him being charged with a misdemeanor for property damage amounting to less than $1,000. Uh, suspended four games for that. Apparently, they've had some problems in the past. It's It's been a rough go for old Willie Gay there. Apparently, a lot of the players have been reaching out for to him and, and making sure that his mental health is okay. It makes me kind of concerned about Willie Gay, and it makes me concerned about whether or not he's in the right mental faculties to be <laughs> playing football at this point in time. I mean, are there head injuries there? I mean, what is going on? And I... I the way that that like, and maybe it's just the way that like a lot of the media is making it sound. But I'm starting to think that Willie Gay might be like suicidal or something. Like, and it, it's nothing to laugh at. This is a mess right now, and I don't know what the, this. Maybe it's bad reporting, or maybe the there is a legitimate problem with Willie Gay. But I feel like the league should be looking further into that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, get get the man some help if he needs help. You know, um, it's, it's definitely not a good situation. Not no. Not at all. It's a horrible situation. I just, it blows me away that like, and, and the reports come out from these players like, oh yeah, we reach out to him and make sure that he's okay. And that he's, he, you know, mentally he's doing okay. I'm like, look, if you have to reach out to him to make sure that he's mentally doing okay, the league should be checking in or the NFL PA, somebody should be checking in on the guy. Maybe that's just my opinion, but uh, Willie Gay, he's out for the next four games, going to be a rough go. Um, and the Chiefs lose a really good linebacker because he really is a tremendous player. I, I think he's something special. Um, on the other side of the ball there, the Colts, they're, they're taking on the Chiefs this week. Rookie offensive tackle Bernard Raymond, we just got done talking about him. He's got an ankle injury, and Shaq Leonard, who just became the highest-paid linebacker in all of football, um, both those guys are out versus the Chiefs. Leonard has a back injury. Um, that's a rough go, not only for for uh, Shaq for the Colts, but Shaq Leonard is is so good and he's such a solid player. But Bernard Raymond too, he's having such a solid rookie campaign throughout the first two weeks. That is something to to really behold. We just got done talking about Bernard Raymond and how he hit our top ten rookie uh, rankings for this week. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I think that's a hit. Uh, the, Dol the Colts also have defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. His, he's got a back injury. He's listed as questionable versus the Chiefs. I like Yannick Ngakwe a lot. I think he's he's an amazing uh, defensive end. He played really well for the Vikings, and when in that brief period that he came around, he played really well for the Ravens. Um, and also the Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman. He's ready to go versus the Chiefs on Sunday, which is good news for them and good news for Matt Ryan, who looked like hell without him. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the Colts here? Do you think that that the dumpster fire continues? What are they going to able be able to extinguish the flames? What is happening? Well, Michael Pittman coming back certainly ran back with the fire extinguisher and did their did their, his best to put out those flames. Uh, sure. To have, to have uh, your rookie and uh, and your other guy, you know, out to have two players out is not going to help things. Uh, but with with Pittman. Now, granted, he's going up against that vaunted Kansas City team, and he's going up against Patty Mahomes. So uh, Chiefs are probably going to have a field day with the Colts still, but I don't think they get goose-egged this week. Yeah, I don't think they get goose-egged either, but um, 
It'd be it, it would be stunning if they got zero offense zero offensive points or zero points through two games. That would be that would be red flag city. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a, a, an absolute mess if, for the Colts if they can't get things together. I think Frank Reich is kind of hoping and praying that his job remains intact at this point, to be perfectly honest with you. As much as I like Frank Reich, he's having a rough time as the uh, Colts head coach. Um, elsewhere around that division, we'll talk about the Jags a little bit. They're set to take on the Chargers this week. Cornerback Shaq Griffin. He has a hip injury. He's listed as questionable versus a Chargers team who is very, very pass heavy. Uh, and and on the Chargers side of the ball, that's not good news because Justin Herbert, he has a rib injury. He's expected to play, but he does have that rib injury that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. But Keenan Allen has been technically upgraded to questionable uh, with his hamstring injury. And tight end Dylan Parham is a hamstring injury. He's listed as questionable versus the Jags. So Shaq Griffin goes out for the Jags mm-hmm. and Chargers get two skill position players potentially back moving into this week. Also, the Chargers do have a few troubles around. You got uh, the center, Corey Lindsley. He has a knee injury. He's listed as doubtful. Same with J.C. Jackson, the corner, the star corner that came from New England last year, led the league in interceptions. Yeah, listed as doubtful versus the Jags as well. The Chargers and the Jaguars, I really believe in the Chargers. I yeah. do. I believe that they're going to wind up as an AFC title game contender. I, I really believe that they're going to wind up in the playoffs, no doubt. I think Justin Herbert is something special. I think he's going to get a bust in Canton. I've said that over and over and over again. He's a Hall of Fame type player. You know, I, I look at this uh, this matchup, and it's actually an intriguing matchup because the Jags have not looked bad this season. They looked so bad last year under Urban Meyer. This year under Doug Peterson, it's a complete turnaround. Um, you know, what do you think of this this uh, uh, Chargers team and and the situation against the Jags? What do you make of the Jags here? I mean, I think they're on the up and up, don't you? Yeah, I do believe that the Jags are on the up and up, uh, but the Chargers is the Chargers are definitely going to give them a run for their money. Um, I do, I do, I believe I picked the Chargers uh, to come up with the victory. Uh, but there's definitely uh, some upswing in Jacksonville right now. Yeah, for sure. And then with the Chargers, I mean, even with, you know, if those skill position players come back and not having, you know, your Shaq Griffin on the field with with the Chargers, I, I really do think the Chargers could have a field day here, depending on what Justin Herbert does. Um, it's going to be a fun one for him. Uh, next up, we around the, around the horn here, we've got the Bengals tight end Hayden Hurst with a groin injury and right tackle Lyle Collins with a back injury. Both those guys are listed as questionable versus the Jets. Uh, Jets coming off that super exciting win. Um, but with the Jets do have some issues here. Uh, wide receiver Corey Davis, he's got a knee injury. Uh, left tackle George Fant, he's got a knee injury. Tight end C.J. Uzama has a hamstring injury. Defensive tackle Quinnen Williams has a foot injury. All those guys listed as questionable versus the Bengals. Um, you know, the big one that stands out to me is George Fant. And the reason, you know, Corey Davis is a good player. But he, you know, let's be real. This is the Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore show out there in, in New York with the Jets. Um, and, you know, Uzama is a good tight end, but he hasn't been as effective as he would like to be. But let's talk about George Fant because he's been something special for the Jets. And George Fant not being in that game to take on Trey Hendrickson. That's 
huge deal taking on when you're taking on the Bengals. The Bengals have been bad for the first uh, uh, week here, but or the first two weeks here. But let's be real: not having George Fan on the field, having Trey Hendrickson running dead at you—I uh, don't know. The, you know, the, the, this they, could be the bounce back game that the Bengals needed. Because I'll tell you what, they—they uh, they got they went from being uh, AFC champions from be, to being zero and two. Uh, yeah, a good luck. Yeah, it's going to be a, a hopefully a bounce back game for the Bengals for their sake. Um, it's. It's been uh, an interesting one, to say the least, uh, for, for the Bengals. I, I never thought I would see a situation where the two Super Bowl teams coming out of the Super Bowl would struggle so hard uh, the way the Rams and the Bengals have the last couple of weeks, but they have. Um, next up around, the speaking of the, the Rams in their division, safety Quandre Diggs with the Seahawks is listed as questionable with a knee injury versus the Falcons. You know, I like Quandre Diggs. Ever since he went to Seattle, he's been something special. Um, Seattle has figured out how to utilize him effectively. I do like Quandre Diggs. I think he's he's a good safety in this league, and and uh, people aren't giving him enough credit. Uh, but Quandre Diggs listed as questionable. What what say you here? You know, uh, if Quandre Diggs does not make it onto the field, um, this you know this already anemic uh, Seahawks team uh, gets even in more trouble. Um, especially who are they playing with? Uh, who are they playing against? So Drake London, I mean, think about that. You you yeah. lose star safety and you got Drake London. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think that he's, you know, so the Falcons will, I don't know if they'll have a field day with the with the Seahawks. If you were going to say something like, um, you know, the Chargers, going against, the Chargers going against the Seahawks or the Rams going against the Seahawks, that would not, that'd be, we'd be having, we would be having a completely different discussion. But right. uh, since it's, uh, but since it's Atlanta, uh, you know, you know, having Quandre Diggs not on the field is not going to help matters. I mean, especially if Drake London's going to be the new, the new big wide receiver on that team. So look for that connection that come up a lot. Yeah, this is um, a potentially really soft matchup for the Falcons here. They're going to have a really easy time if they can, if they can uh, uh, get Drake London going and get Kyle Pitts going. This is going to be an exciting one for the Falcons to, to be taking on Seattle. Um, next up, you got the Bears linebacker Roquan Smith with his hip injury. Defensive back Jalen Johnson has a quad injury. Both those guys are listed as questionable versus the Texans. Jalen Johnson, I'm not too concerned with. He's been okay. He's sort of a third with uh, CB3. But Roquan Smith is the big one with the hip injury against the Texans. You know all about Roquan Smith. That guy is a beast. He's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Um, you know, not having him on the field is going to be painful, uh, even if it is just against the Texans, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, even though they're facing the dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans, I mean, the the Bears are kind of their own dumpster fire. So this could be a high-scoring game, uh, you know, that's unexpected, or it could be a dead zebra, uh, toothless lion situation, especially yeah. with old Boston Fields stinking it up out there. Absolutely. And last but not least, we got the Saints. Um, quarterback Jameis Winston has a back and ankle injury. Uh, running back Alvin Kamara with a rib injury. Mm-hmm. Tight end Taysom Hill has a rib injury. Offensive tackle Ryan Ramzik with an elbow injury. Uh, corner uh, Paulson Adebo has an ankle injury. And Marcus May, the safety, the big, the big time safety they signed in the offseason, he has a rib injury. All listed as questionable versus the Panthers. I don't necessarily know that they're a sick ward because not all those guys are out, but I will say that it hasn't been pretty for the Saints as far as the injuries go. The fact that Jameis Winston has been trotted out on the field with back injuries the way he has, kind of a mess. 
<laughs> a little, little, it's a little, it's a little irresponsible on yeah. the same, to be, to, to be completely honest. And, uh, you know, I get the idea that you're having a problem at starting quarterback because you don't have one, <laughs> not, you know, not since Drew Brees left town. So it's going to be, uh, an interesting matchup. Uh, who are they, pl- who are they playing? They're taking on the Panthers. Right. So it's a divisional matchup and you got Baker Mayfield and DJ Moore. I was like, I'm so on the fence about putting, uh, you know, I'm, pu- I'm so on the fence of putting uh, Baker Mayfield in as a handcuff with DJ Moore, but at the same time, Pat Stafford is going to do Pat Stafford things. Uh, but it, but I think Baker Mayfield should have a really nice game against the saints, especially if, uh, even half of those guys end up, you know, not making it onto the field. For sure. Um, so that is our news around the league. Alex, we got one more thing we got to take care of. Mm-hmm. It is picks uh, for the upcoming week. Um, you and Alex, or I'm sorry, you and Andrew, rather, your brother Andrew there, you guys made up some ground this week in a big way. Um, yep. So you guys going into the week were 5-10-1. and one. Um. I want to point out right here that this week you and Andrew are both 15, 16 and one so <laughs> you guys made up some huge ground going into this, uh, this upcoming week. Um, man, it's, it's something to behold. Uh, I, I was, <laughs> I was thoroughly impressed. You guys are within three games of me. I am 18, 13 and one, um, uh, moving into this upcoming uh, week here. So, that is our, our current uh, standings at the moment. So we're going to jump right into our predictions here. Um, we did do the, the, uh, the Browns and the Steelers prediction. You guys took the Steelers. I took the Browns. Um, and, and I'll tally that number into our total after this week. But uh, I got the Browns right. You guys got the Steelers wrong. Obviously, the Browns did beat the Steelers 29-17 to uh, on Thursday night. We'll talk about that next week. But. Um, here we are, the, uh, we're, we're looking at the upcoming matchups here for week three. Alex, are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's do this. All right. Let's talk about our matchups for week three in the NFL, starting out with the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Um, man, I'm, I gotta tell you, this one's going to be an exciting, exciting game. I am going to go ahead and go with the Bills on this one. Uh, it's going to be tight. It's going to be a fun one, though. I, I really believe that. Um, you know, so I, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bills here. Uh, it looks like you and Andrew are also going that same route. Uh, wh- what do you believe here? Yep. I mean, uh, it's it's going to be a high offense game, especially without uh, Micah Hyde on defense. But, um, but one thing is for certain, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's the Josh Allen show. It's 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 the uh, Stefan Diggs show. Uh, they, they will be getting it done. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. I believe that. Uh, next one up, we've got the Bengals and the Jets. Uh, you and Andrew both took the Bengals here. I got to be honest with you. I'm taking the Jets. I think the, the Bengals are rocked right now. They do not look like the same team that they've looked like. Um, this is going to be an absolute mess. I'm going with the Jets here. I'm taking the risk. I, I don't know what it is. That Jets team looks damn good right now. Yeah, they absolutely do. And, uh, you know, this, to me, I did pick the Bengals. It's definitely a prove-it game. 
prove to me that you still have what it takes uh, to, you know, get the job done against still one of the lonelier teams in the NFL. But I mean, with with the performance they've had the last two weeks, it's a little difficult to say. But yeah. I will tell you that, <laughs> you know, it's definitely proven. It's it's put up or shut up. Because uh, if Joe Cool doesn't bust out uh, a good performance here. Uh, it's time to start pressing the panic button in Cincinnati. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the Bengals are in, in deep trouble right now. It's been not looking good for them. Yeah, I, I I agree. It might be panic button time. You think it's a bounce back game, but I think the Jets are riding high on that win. I'm going with the Jets here. I, I there's something that's telling me just keep rolling that Jets uh, oh, uh, those Jets Jets dice out there. Um, yep. Up, we've got the Raiders and the Titans. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go with the Raiders here. It looks like uh, you and Andrew both agree with me going with the Raiders. Um, you know, the Titans have just not looked like a team ready to play. They've looked like a mess. I think the first two weeks, you know, the loss to the Giants was devastating, but then you get your asses handed to you by the Bills. I've got to go with the Raiders here. I don't think the Titans have it. Yeah, even without Hunter Renfro uh, and and the, the, the injuries that they're having over uh, in, in Las Vegas, you know, um, I do believe that this is a bounce back game for the, for the Raiders. And, uh, you know, it might be start, you know, it's like, well, if, if Derrick Henry can't get started, then uh, we got a problem. Yeah, if they get down early, there's there's not any way to dig out. And that's kind of what teams are starting to realize about the Titans. If they get down early, then it's it's sort of game over. So I, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Raiders here. I, I agree with you. I, I believe that they're just going to tear up the, the Titans. Uh, next up, we got the Ravens and the Patriots. Kind of a fun game. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Ravens here. Um, looks like uh, Andrew took the Patriots. Looks like you took the Ravens. I'm kind of on, on board with you. I think the Ravens had a red-hot game versus the, the, uh, the Dolphins, and they kind of blew it in the last minute. Kind of concerning that they don't have their corners on the field, but it is Lamar Jackson. I mean, let's be real. I'm going with the Ravens here. I'm going with the Ravens as well, though I made this note. It's a bit of a risk. Uh, you know, like I said, Bill Belichick's got a trick up his sleeve. Uh, you know, and, you know, Mac Jones, you know, he's not like, he hasn't been the Mac Jones of yesteryear, but there's still plenty of, there's still plenty of gas left in that tank. And with the, with the Ravens secondary and the Ravens, like, defense being a sick ward, you know, it's going to be a very big problem. So, you know, I'm going with the Ravens, but I'll tell you what, it's going to be close. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a close one, but I do think the Ravens are going to pull this one out. Uh, next up, uh, the Lions and the Vikings. Um, you know, after what I saw last week on Monday Night Football versus the Eagles, I'm really having trouble believing in this Vikings team right now and believing that they're ready to be uh, a top caliber team, to be a Super Bowl team. You know, when they won in week one and the fact that they definitively beat the Packers, their Super Bowl um, uh, chances skyrocketed per Vegas and then plummeted after that game against the Eagles. Um, yeah. I don't know what this Vikings team is right now, and I'm having my concerns about it. I think Kevin O'Connell is good for this Vikings offense, but he's got to learn how to make adjustments at halftime. It is a problem that he didn't make any adjustments in that last game against the Eagles. He put the blame on himself, which I appreciate. I appreciate the fact that he is a, a head coach and a leader that is owning his mistakes. But, you know, we got to have a bounce back game here for the Vikings. 
Um, but that said, I'm going with the Lions here. I believe that the Vikings may have been fool's gold in week one. Um, I'm going with the Lions. And not only that, bold prediction, I said it to you offline. I'll say it right here. Lions by double digits in this game. I think that Lions offense is going to be too much for the Vikings to handle. But this one is shaping up to be a shootout. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I was shocked uh, when you mentioned that they were going to win. I mean, well, you picked the well. You you told me also that you know they're that they're going to win the NFC North, and I mean that's a bold prediction too. Um, but as far as yeah, I mean, you know, it, I would love to see a double-digit victory. Um, I also know that you know I've seen the Lions. Uh, you know, they have in the past. You know, like e- even against the Washington Commanders last week. They got themselves in the position where they could possibly lose the game. Granted, it, it would have to be a freak, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, 0.2% deal. Otherwise, you know, but they still, they need to work on, get work on the clock. They have to worry, they have to work on, you know, if you're up two touchdowns, eat that clock. It's, at the end of the day, it's all about winning the football game. And if you're two touchdowns up, and it's like middle of the fourth quarter, then there's no there's no reason why you, you shouldn't like you know run the football, eat the clock, you know, and just make it tough for the other team to make it back. I agree. I, I think the Lions uh, they they are had trouble doing that last week, but I think they do have the ability to do that, and I think you're going to see a little more of that. Um, this Vikings defense was playing a lot of this shell defense that they have. This this. Uh, you know, deep defensive back stuff going on, and they need to come up a lot less prevent and a lot more hard-hitting stuff and, and a lot less relying on their front seven to get inside and protect, you know, like, I think they were they were banking on their front seven being super, super potent last week, and, and there was something that went on with the Eagles where they were in, like, almost max protect a lot. It was it was insane. I just I need the Vikings to to be able to show that they are the real deal. I need them to show that number one, offensively, that Kevin O'Connell can make adjustments and that he can get Justin Jefferson open the same way that he was getting Cooper Cup open on a daily basis. But I also need to see that the defense with Ed Donatel is going to come up and and play assertive, strong, tough coverage. This man-to-man stuff that that. He has not been touching. It needs to end. You need to bring man coverage up and and play man coverage. I get Patrick Peterson isn't the same guy he was years ago, but you got to use him. You got to put him in man coverage at some point. You, you got to this this deep zone that we've been playing is just not working. And and Ed Donatel needs to make adjustments on the defensive side of the football as well for this team to be successful. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to feast this week on that Viking secondary. Um, next up, we got the Chiefs and the Colts. You know what? The Colts look like an absolute mess right now. I'm going with the Chiefs to dominate this game uh, all day. Yep. Chiefs all the way. Not much Not much else to say about that. Yep. It looks like you did take the Chiefs, and it does look like Andrew took the Chiefs as well. I don't think there was any question there uh, in that one. Next up, we got the Texans and the Bears. You know, Texans... Um, that they're having themselves kind of interesting time. You went and took the Texans. I don't blame you. I think the Bears are an absolute mess. Andrew took the Bears. 
You know, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bears here, and and I'm not really happy about it because I think both of these teams are an absolute mess, but I think Justin Fields every now and then does just enough to get himself a win against a questionable team. This is going to be one of those times where you're going to see a Justin Fields rushing touchdown for the win. Uh, I'm going with the Bears here. Okay, I mean it's not it's not a bad pick. I mean, you know, it's like it's like pick it's like voting in this year's gubernatorial election. Right. It's it's a tur- it's a douche canoe versus turd sandwich. So, yep. you know, which which one's going to suck less? Yeah. Exactly. That's kind of what we're looking at there. Um, but I'm I'm going to go ahead and say Bears for that one. Next up, we got the Jags and the Chargers. Weirdly enough, the Jags coming off this weird victory here. But it's the Chargers. I love the Chargers. I'm going with the Chargers here. Uh, yep. It looks like Andrew went with the Chargers as well. Uh, it looks like you went with the Chargers. Yeah, I think we're all going Chargers here. But I think it's going to be a much tighter game than a lot of people expect between the Jags and the Chargers, don't you? Absolutely, especially if the right players, if, if, if you know Justin Field, if Justin Herbert can't get on the field, um, if some of these other players can't get on the field, um, you know all these questionable players. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's if Justin Herbert gets on the field, it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm saying. I think Justin Herbert is the real deal. You're going to see Chargers beat the Jags in this one. Uh, next up, it's going to be the Rams and the Cardinals. You know, kind of a tough game. I really I just I got to go with the Rams here. I think it's a no brainer. looks like Andrew went with the Rams, too. You went with the Rams. Um, the Rams and the Cardinals, you know, the cards have been kind of iffy. Uh, they're trying to just survive this first six weeks uh, without DeAndre Hopkins because we know that he's sort of the safety valve for Kyler. You know, I I really believe that the, the Rams are the, the, the guys that are going to, you know, whoop up on the Cardinals this week and bring them back to earth after that, that overtime win against the Raiders, that lucky overtime win. Rams over Cardinals this week. What say you? Yep, same thing here. I mean... You know, Kyler Murray may be a very uh, mobile quarterback, but at the same time, you know, uh, they got the, it's the it, they'll have the Stafford Cup show on full display. Um, you know, maybe some of these other secondary players can step up as well, but you know, it, it's it's uh, it's it's the Rams all the way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up, we got the Packers and the Bucks. I mean, we're we're all excited about Packers and Bucks. Uh, I that Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady showdown. You know, I I have some questions about you know that Bucks team. Um, I, I have questions about the the skills position players of, of both these teams. Really, I'm gonna go with the Bucks here. Uh, I think that Bucks defense is gonna be the defining factor here. The the Packers, the, their receivers are iffy at best. I and they have a great running game, but man, the Bucks don't let the run get away from them. I'm going with the Bucks here. Looks like you and Andrew did the same thing. Yep, that is that is a fact. Uh, you know, it's if nothing else, he's the goat. Yeah, I, I I'm with you there. I think Tom Brady, even though he doesn't have those skill position players at his disposal, where there's a will, there's a way. For old Tom there, and and he always finds a way. Um, next next up, Falcons and Seahawks. Interesting game. Kind of excited about this one. We've got the you know you taking the Seahawks. You got Andrew taking the Seahawks. I gotta be honest with you. I'm not entirely sold on the Seahawks. I'm going with the Falcons here, especially when you when you mentioned the fact that uh, uh, that, that you know the, the big corner at, and on the Seahawks went out, went down and got out with an injury. Yeah, you well, know? the safety Quandre Diggs, he'll be out, but but not have not having him against Drake London and Kyle. Mm-hmm. Pitts, 
Yeah, that, that's going to be trouble. So I'll stick with my pick, but I'll tell you what, uh, this is Atlanta. This is Atlanta's game to win. Yeah, yeah. This is a situation where they need to win that game. Yep. Uh, next up, we got Sunday Night Football: 49ers and the Broncos. Uh, I think the Broncos look like a mess. Uh, both you and Andrew took the Broncos. I got to tell you, bro, I'm taking the 49ers with Jimmy G. Um, yep. <laughs> I guess we needed one upset pick in the in the litter to try to you know uh, even out the ship. But man, when you, you know you're absolutely right. You know the Broncos uh, and Russ Wilson. You know they're not the unit that Russ Wilson is not the quarterback of old. And Jimmy G in the lineup now. I think it's uh, you know it's pretty obvious that the 49ers are going to have their way with the Seahawks. Uh, with what you mean? But yeah, uh, at, you know at at the same time, you know uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, I think Russ Wilson. Um... He does not look like the same guy that he looked like would like with Seattle. Uh, being in with in Denver has been kind of a rough go for him. He got booed off the field last week. This is a 49ers defense that doesn't play games, uh, and and Russ Wilson's going to have a hard time with the Broncos here getting it done. I'm going ahead with the 49ers. I, I think the Niners are just going to pound them. Uh, you and Andrew going with the Broncos. I thought that was bold, but hey, rock and roll for you. And last but not least, we're talking Cowboys and the Giants. This is an interesting one. You both have Cowboys. um, And, you know, on one end, I don't blame you. But on the other end, it's Cooper Rush at quarterback. I got to go with the Giants here. Yeah. Uh, I think Brian DeBall is, is, uh, he's done something kind of special with the Giants at the moment. Uh, I don't think they're, they're, you know, it's a life-changing experience for them. I, I, but the Giants could start the season three and zero. I'm just waiting for the situation where they fall apart uh, moving forward. So, you know, and it, they, could, it could be this game. I mean, let's well, let's face it too. You know, the Giants face the Cowboys twice a year. So, do the Giants face the Cowboys again in MetLife? When first of all, where are they? Uh, are they are they in MetLife or in Dallas? In this situation, they're in MetLife. So they're at MetLife this week, and then, uh, you know, they're going to go to Dallas. And, and if they go to Dallas, you know, Dak Prescott may be back in the lineup. So maybe that might be the tipping point for him. But doing what we know right now, I don't think that the Giants really hit a brick wall of, of tough teams until around week five. Because they week five, next week, moving, moving into next week, when it comes to the Giants, they have the Bears next week, which is not a good team. But no. then in week five, they take on the Packers. They take on the Ravens. I mean, you, you, those are two tough teams. Even, you know, week seven against the Jags might be a challenge. You, you don't know which Jags team is going to show up. I mean, that's that's something to behold. Then they take on the Seahawks, which is iffy. Yep. You know, <clears throat> and and every now and then we see this. Then, the, then they're on the bye. But every now and then we see this where – a team goes to the playoffs after beating a bunch of cupcake teams. Yep. And and then they go to the playoffs and, and they get all excited. And then week ten, they've got the Texans. That's that's nothing. You know, I mean if you and then they've got the Lions, which is actually a challenge. You know, and, and I'm just I'm looking through their schedule and it's looking like the New York Giants, you know, then they have the Cowboys in Dallas again, which Dak might be back by that point, but who knows? Um, you're, you're looking at the, their schedule and you're going, 
wow, man, they, they could get away with some stuff. Giants against Commanders in, in Week 13. I, Giants versus Eagles, that'll probably be a loss. Mm-hmm. There's really not, and then they got the Commanders again right after that. So it's Commanders, you know, and then they got the Vikings. Um, you could see the Giants make the playoffs as a 10-win team. Then they got the Colts, another soft matchup. Yeah. I, You know, they have an easy schedule. They really do, compared to by what we know, and then they have the Eagles in the year. You could see the Giants potentially go 10-7 and seven in this season and walk into the playoffs as a 10-7 and seven team based on the soft teams that they're taking on, the fact that they're 2-0 and oh right now. I mean, if they beat the Cowboys this week, we may be having that discussion. We may very well be having that discussion later on in the year. You know, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, actually. And then we, we could see the New York Giants. I, I, I think you'll probably see them go into the first round and get pounded. Yep. But but if you see the New York Giants make the playoffs and, and go to the wild card and get eliminated the wild card, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I can't say at this point, that at this juncture in time, week three, I can't say I'd be surprised. Now, later on, it might change. We don't know. But at this point in time, at this stage of the game, I can't say I'd be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting to watch and interesting to see. But as far as my pick for the Cowboys this week, I mean, you know, Cooper Rush is doing a good job as a backup, you know, and maybe they'll fix the problems with Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe they'll give him the ball. And if they do, it's going to be Dallas, you know, for sure. Um, but we'll have to, and the Cowboys defense is probably going to keep him in the game. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's going to be a fun one. I think that'll actually be a, a decent game uh, for a bunch of guys who have, have kind of sick ward ty- style teams going on right now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with that, Alex, we are those are our predictions throughout the, the rest of the uh, throughout the, the week three here. And uh, we got to touch on our sponsors. First of all, it's your time massage, IYTMassage.com. You can check it out. You can get yourself a massage. Alex, you got to get yourself a massage. Amanda's yep. a wonderful massage therapist. She does tremendous work, uh, Swedish and deep tissue massages. She uses CBD, all that good stuff. If you uh, want to check her out, check her out at IYTMassage.com, or you can go to It's Your Time Massage on Facebook. Um, she's back to work. She's rocking and rolling, taking appointments right now. So like I said, IYTMassage.com, check it out. Get yourself a massage. Get yourself taken care of. Work on you. Take care of you, baby. Uh, and also want to give a shout out to facekicktoparel.com, facekicktoparel, Sean Stockmeyer, his wonderful wife. They do tremendous work over there. Sean is awesome. Uh, he takes care of all your custom hats, t-shirts, hoodies, anything you want, you pick it. He sticks it over at facekicktoparel.com. Uh, check it out. You can get all your custom shirts. We've gotten some of their products. I know you're getting some of the products, Alex. Um, mm. it, it's going to be a great, great thing for you i i'm super excited by the way uh yeah. and, and um man uh facekicktoparel.com they do awesome work and all their stuff is built to last it doesn't fall apart a lot of times you get these screen print these janky little screen print things the shirt's falling apart halfway through the day no his stuff holds up i love it i think it's awesome uh and and i think sean does outstanding work he cares about his customers and he's getting a lot of customers coming through there uh, that business is just exploding right now. So facekickapparel.com. Highly recommend that. Also, I want to give a shout out to Patched Miracle Photography. 
Uh, yep. Andrew Langland and company, man, oh man, you looking for pictures? You looking for baby pictures? Andrew's your guy. You're looking for uh, wedding photos? Patch Miracle, Patch Miracle Photography, no doubt. Yep. Um, you're looking for graduation photos. You're looking for one-year photos. You're looking for family portraits. You're looking for, if you're looking for to do a boudoir shoot for your special somebody, Patch Miracle, Patch Miracle Photography all day. They are tremendous. Uh, if you want to check them out, Patched Miracle Photography on Facebook. You can check them out on, on uh, their website, patchmiraclephotography.com. Uh, check it out. Andrew and Chantel, they are wonderful. They did our wedding photos, my wife and I. Um, they made our day super, super, super special. Uh, and they were the utmost professional, and they were very focused on making our day the absolute best it could be. I can't get over how great they were. I had a cigar with Andrew after the wedding. He was such a great guy, and he still is. He's he's just an amazing, amazing human being. Him and Chantel, and they did our our uh, our kids' newborn pictures and and all that good stuff for the twins. So very exciting stuff. I highly recommend them. PatchedMiraclePhotography.com. Check them out. Um, also, and last but not least, Condor's Gaming Corner. Big Willie Comes Gaming. The the two uh, the two big uh, gaming channels out there. The big gaming streams. Uh, Andrew, you have a ton going down going on at Condor's Gaming Corner. I know you're transitioning over to YouTube for the voice acting and stuff like that. Uh, give us a round of what's going on over there. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we may be starting to consider to go back to live streams with the voice acting, okay. simply because the format is easier. Uh, each of those videos get uploaded to YouTube automatically. Sure. Uh, the thing is, uh, you know, it, we, you know, I, I, we don't really have like razzle dazzle, although I could probably just, you know, make the extra effort, download the YouTube clip and re-upload it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, you know, you know, video editing skills might be, uh, you know, something that I could pick up on. We may be going back to live stream formats. Uh, we may also be retooling the channel. Uh, I want to. I want to do something that's more appropriate for the two of us, because you know I think our bread and butter is our twin gimmick. Our bread and butter is you know the two of us just hanging out and having fun. Right. Uh, and I think that um, if we change direction like that, uh, you know it may it may garner you know, some more support, but you know, th this is just alpha stuff. You know, I gotta, I gotta get it done on a piece of paper and figure out uh, what's going on. Uh, but yeah, check us out. You know, big Willie dubs is, is a little more experienced, a little more seasoned and uh, you know, any, any, you know, he may be on a little later, but I'll tell you what, uh, he's just as entertaining, uh, just, you know, and just as witty as we are. So give us both a look. Yeah, um, over there, your guys' channel, I just want to point out, you know, you, you guys have had a, a really solid um, style and a very solid uh, uh, format as far as your, your uh, gaming goes. It's been really awesome. I know you guys jumped in after, after Will did, um, but, you know, I always enjoyed your stuff. I always watch it, and I think it's great that you guys are going to continue onward. You know, format changes are never a bad thing. So, people, if you're if you're excited about the future for uh, Condor's Gaming Corner, I would I would definitely check it out. Um, I check you guys out whenever I'm I'm at work. I always watch your stuff. So, very exciting, um, and and I'm fired up for whatever you guys are going to do. And it allows me to uh, jump on there and interact with you. I know you've been a little bit. Uh, you know, just kind of locked up in the house there for the last few months. So I, I get to uh, 
between this and you know little facebook messenger stuff and all that good stuff i get to interact with my bud so that's that's what i care about and then uh big willie dubs you know will will has been doing this for a long time he's been doing the streaming thing for a while very experienced like you said um awesome stuff he has a good channel his his games are awesome he goes out there and he he jumps on and you can tell there's a lot of gaming experience there big willie dubs gaming all day long uh, i definitely recommend that he's you know sort of had to change his uh um the times in which he's he's recording and stuff like that but even then he's adjusted and everything has worked out well his stuff has turned out awesome i highly recommend that as well both your guys' channels are fun to watch like them donate to them enjoy it you know throw your money in let's let's get these guys where they need to go let's get these guys to superstar them over there um but with that alex that is our show um that is, uh, we, we've got all our predictions, all our rookie rankings, all of our stuff wrapped up for this week. Uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. Alex, thank you for joining me once again. I really appreciate it. And happy, happy to be here and happy to, happy to help out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we will see you guys next time right here on the Outside Blitz. Listen to it. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com. <laughs>